the MX Vice Show, presented by 24MX, where we break down this weekend's racing from Trentino, which was fantastic. We couldn't do this without our show sponsors, so thank you to Talon Wheels, X-Trip Triple Clamps, Liap, Recluse Clutches, XL Moto, Atlas Braces for all their support. We have a few competitions, as always, this week. Um, I believe we got another uh, signed print from Comrade Muse to give away and also a set of uh, 20 MX Sprockets and another 24 MX Tent, which are uh, currently available for $59.99. In the studio alongside me is MX Vice editor Lewis Phillips. Hello. How are you feeling? Great. You? Better. Are we going to be a coughing fit this week? Uh, or? There will be a couple of coughs, but not as much. Okay, do you want to tell everybody about your illness? Oh, no. I'm, I'm just uh, shouldering, shouldering, soldiering on. Yeah, that one as well. So um, I thought that you've diagnosed yourself with pneumonia. I think I may be dying, yes. Okay. So, it's also maybe the plague. I'm not sure. And, and what did you say to me before you come on air? That if you die, <laughs> I hope then... you feel slightly bad. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and also in studio is uh, our producer, uh, Rob from uh, Jukebox Beats, who comes in and manages all the podcasts here, does all our music now for MX Vice because we've had so many videos. So uh, big thanks to him for uh, making the show sound good. 
So, Lewis, what a weekend. It was a weekend we've been waiting for. How it good was, was it racing? It was a quiet start to the year. Not much was happening. And then finally, we got it. It was probably one of the best. I, I honestly can't actually remember the last time there was a race in that good. I want to ask you a question because it's something that we were talking about on the way back. If Hurlins was there, uh, injury-free Hurlins, do you think he beats both Caroli and Geyser or do you think he's there in the mix? I think he beats them, but I don't think he's that far ahead because I don't really see how it's possible to go much faster than what they were. Maybe he'd be like four seconds ahead. I don't know. Because they were shifting. Yeah, and they both said they were on the limit and like riding a pace that I couldn't really believe. And you could see that by the amount of mistakes they were making and like overshooting ruts, bumping out of turns, like bumping out of ruts and all that. Like it was quite clear that they weren't exactly riding within their means and comfortable. But that's it just produced great races. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. Because like we say, Crowley hasn't been pushed this year and we've just kind of seen the norm, I guess you'd call it. Like we've all wanted it's been it's been missing something with Hernan's out, and that is what it's been missing. Like racing like that. So yeah, long may it continue. But we don't get those every week, which is kind of like the dirty little secret. But. <laughs> i got to be honest, when I seen a track Saturday with basically slop in the corners, I didn't hold much hope for the racing, what we had on Sunday. Yeah, I didn't even, I completely forgot about that. That seems like it was a different weekend. Yeah. Like the photos that were surfacing of a 125 riders with bikes just stranded in corners. Like compare that, even by the time um, MX2 and MXGP started free practice, it was fine. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand how things can progress that quickly, but I think apparently it, the track crew know what they're doing. Well, if, you know, there's always been, you know, a lot of people saying, ah, oh, track crew this, track crew that, but they'd done a great job the weekend to go from where we were to, to where we were, you know, where we were started on Saturday to where we ended up on, on Sunday was crazy. Yeah, a lot of riders said it was one of the more, like, enjoyable Trentinos they've rode. Like it was a bit one line still because of the weather and what happened before the event and stuff. But the fact that the ground was made softer created some more technical lines and rougher lines and allowed riders to make more of a difference, which in the past that isn't really possible when it's slick hard pack and everyone's kind of running the same pace. I think the other thing uh, which I wanted to say was I stood on top of the monster rig where you get a, a great view of the whole track. Isn't it VIP up there? Yeah, you have to be VIP. Because okay. yeah. I wasn't yeah. allowed up there. No, no, you wouldn't have been. No, no. Uh, you don't know the right people. So uh, actually, I want to thank Sarah for um, hooking us up to uh, get Our some access. Up. Yeah, like myself, Sean, and Wes. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize there was more than just you. Well, it's the video team. Oh, so uh, yeah, so when you're in the video team, Lewis, then uh, you can come up. That's fine. Okay. I was on the ground doing work. But one thing I was going to say was you had to appreciate, uh, A, how, how steep those hills were and how tricky they were. And literally stone coming through ruts it was it was tough one of my like biggest not regrets but like one of the things i wish i could do is in my first year doing gps when i thought i was quite busy but actually in reality wasn't was i'd always walk around the track during free practice like do just do a complete like lap of the outside just to see everything yeah and obviously now i don't have time but i really miss doing that yeah i might even have to try and make time to like walk for track on saturday night or something but then that would mean that would cut into your restaurant time 
Yeah, and I think sure. I do not think you'd be willing to sit at the <laughs> yeah. track and wait for me to walk it. No, I don't mind. I can extend my um, I think you'd my time in the restaurant quite a lot. No, it's fine. Maybe I'll walk with you. But Maybe no, I, I I kind of wish I could still do that because at the moment I'm kind of confined to pit lane with what I need to do and who I need to talk to and stuff. So, well, I think about it this way. You know, um, after you were mean to me last week, and we've tried to to talk about how mean you were to me. Maybe How we, me and you were to me. <laughs> yeah, that one as well. So you started already. <laughs> well, that was Literally, just, yes, we've but not that, even been on air five minutes. Yes, but that was just a ridiculous thing. Like, and Maybe we can go around the track holding hands, the sun coming down. It'll be lovely. If you walk the track, I will not be walking the track. Okay. Here we go again. Right, so um, what do you want to start with this week? There's actually quite a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, do you we wanna... can talk about racing. We can talk about Hong Kong. We can talk about Vlandering, who didn't make it to the races. Okay. Maybe we just start with MXGP though. Now let's talk about Hong Kong. Okay. So there's no Hong Kong. For the time being. You either call it cancelled, but it's kind of just been postponed to 2020. Yeah. So yeah, March 2020 is now slated for the first MXGP of Hong Kong, which if you want to use like a guesstimate, you'd presume that if Australia in Perth comes off and the series next year will go Australia, then China, and okay. then back to Europe, you'd think. Okay. Because the press release from Ustream about Hong Kong said, but the organisers have chosen to postpone until March 2020. So for whatever reason, specifics weren't given, but obviously no. they just needed more time. And we're not going to know anyway. So. But so early, we're starting to get a bit of a rough idea of what next year's calendar is going to look like. Quite a bit of a different start if it all comes off, which, as we've said previously, is quite a long way off with Australia and all of that. But there's definitely uh, things being worked on behind the scenes. Well, for people like uh, Febre and Herlins, this is bad news because this is potentially 50 points less. I don't like people that say that. Why not? Like someone actually tweeted us. Sorry to that guy. I'm about to just blow you out. But someone actually tweeted us saying, now that Hong Kong's cancelled, is Hurling's going to reconsider going to America? Well, he's not going to. No, but, but still, but it's like, that, they're not going to look at that and go, well, that's my title gone. Like, because it's not that close anyway, sadly. But the whole thing is, is the, the riders have a mindset of, okay, we're doing 20 rounds this year. Oh, we're doing 19 rounds this year. Now we're doing 18 rounds this year. Yes. So potentially, What's your point? because if you're injured or if you have a bad race or whatever, then it's still, you know, it, it, by, by having more rounds, um, evens up the chances of, of somebody else potentially having an issue. Yeah. So you can get those points back. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it works for some people. It, it goes against others. I just think, yeah, they would care about it if, they're in a, if they'd missed one round and they needed that time to close in on the title. But if it's the difference between them finishing fourth or fifth in a championship, they're not going to care. because. Those riders, the elite, 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 elite. Don't know why I said that. Twice. I don't know what you said. No, those top tier riders only care about first. Well, maybe yeah. not Fevre now because obviously he's in this weird holding pattern of rebuilding his career. But Herlins, even if he finished second, I'm pretty sure he's not going to care much. So, so was it next week we were supposed to be going to Shanghai, or is it the week no, after? Uh, the week after that, it was May the first. Okay, so who potentially would have been out of Shanghai, and now who's got going to be back? You just mentioned Vlanderen. So, so yeah, that's had, actually worked in his favour. Yeah, it had Shanghai, which got moved a long time ago, still been round five. Landon would have been out, Herlins would have been out, and still may be out by the time we actually get to the new round five. But there's more of a chance of him returning at Mantua. DeSalle probably would have been out. It sounds like DeSalle had uh, a knee injury. He's had surgery today. Uh, yeah. No, not today, sorry, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's probably a meniscus or something. Yeah, there's a chance that Fevra can get back for round, the new round five as well, sir. Basically, the new round five is going to be round one in many ways because there's going to be so many different faces in the paddock and 
this weird feeling of uncertainty considering no one's lined up for, well, lined up at the highest international level for five so weeks. I think there was 34 MXGP riders. We're probably going to see about 37, 38. Strybos, he'll be back, I'm yep. presuming. Yep, he'll be back. Uh, who else is there? There's quite a long list. Nagel, he's probably due. But yeah, yeah. it's basically going to be very, very different. Like This break is going to help some, but you could say it's going to hurt some. Like This whole momentum that guys has been building yeah. probably going to be ripped from him with this break. Yeah. But yeah. But I guess it gives riders the a chance. Schedule giveth and the schedule taketh away. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, okay, so that's Hong Kong done. Yeah. We've Flander still got Shanghai done. though. Because everyone seems to think that now it's imminent that uh, Shanghai will be cancelled. But different promoters, not linked really at all, aside from the fact that they're in the same country. The Shanghai people were, at, were actually in Trentino, like taking photos of the structures and things that they're going to need to do. So it seems like all systems go. Okay. So yeah, Shanghai, September the 15th for the final round of MXGP. But actually, it works quite nicely now because we have a weekend off between the final round in Shanghai and the Nations, which I think everyone is pumped about because That's that September relief. was going to be horrific for like, basically everyone would have got to acid and just been exhausted and dropped into the floor. Yeah. So, yeah. It's kind of worked out for the best in many ways. Okay. Also, uh, silly season. Silly season? Yeah. I feel, I like, feel I, like it's in full flow already. I feel like I learned something big at the weekend, but I've forgotten it. Like last night, I was randomly sat there and I was like, oh yeah, I heard something massive at the weekend. And then I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if you've seen, but there was a, a tweet, I think, uh, I don't think it reminds me, you mentioned we said it before. Uh, Ryan G put out with um, what riders are going to be going up to MXGP. And uh, I think he's listed about seven or eight, but we think it's probably a little bit more towards sort of 14. So between 12 and 14 riders going up this year? Uh, it's between eight and 12, I think. Eight and 12, okay. Yep. It's interesting now because as I was going around the pitch, you start to see different people having different conversations. And I don't want to name any because obviously... We, yeah, we you're, not going, you're not going to name anybody. No, I'm not going to name anybody. But it's really interesting to see. But what, what do we know? We know that uh, Paul Jonas is on a two-year contract. We oh, know yeah, there's loads of stuff like that. Konis is on a one-year contract. We know... Basically, um, Yamaha are going to be up completely, I believe. Uh, Tonus is up. Sewer was on a one-year deal, I think. Fevra's out. What about... Out, sorry, what about, his contract's up. Uh, Poulin. I can't remember what his contract was. Okay. But Fevra's definitely up. Yep. Tonus is up, I believe. Jeremy Sewer? I think he's up. Kawasaki are up completely. Uh, HRC? Bogus is up. Vladrin is up, I think. Yep. Uh, Geyser, I think, has a year left, but he might even be up as well. Not, no. that, not that you'd expect him to go anywhere. Okay. Uh, what other teams are? Yeah, that's all basically all the factors. Basically, a lot of stuff's going to be happening. Anstey's up. Yeah. And we could possibly see... Prado, if he wins a championship, going up to a, a Prado, Caroli, Hurlins, KTM team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Basically, there's a reason why conversations are happening this early, and it's because shit needs to get figured out, because it's not a case of, oh, we've got one spot to fill when we just need to find a fifth to tenth place rider to fill it. Yeah. Like, every team is looking for basically either re-signing their entire team or new riders. But obviously, even if they're going to re-sign the same riders... They're still going to like put the feelers out and see what's out there. And and depending on uh, retirements, nervous times, nervous times. Depending on retirements, which we're not sure if anybody is, no, I don't is, think I'm not. is going out. No, no one is but retiring. Let, let's just say we got 37 fit MXGP riders next year, and then we've got a further eight to 12 coming up. Mental, yeah. But yeah, silly season is full sweep. So four riders basically are not going to be are just not going to have a team. 
because they're not going to be, I mean, how does it even work next year? And they might but have then, a problem with how they, if there's 44 riders, they can have people on standby. It's interesting. Well, I guess we're already in that case, though, because look at Guio. Poor Guio, just forgotten about out there somewhere. Great rider. Lost in the woods of Switzerland. Yeah. Well, I, always, you, I thought I was going to cough. But I, uh, I wonder where you're going. I thought you were going out of the studio. But yeah, poor Guio, just lost. Yeah. Have you seen this man? So yeah, yeah that's just going to happen to other riders. Happens. And we got Rodriguez, who was, what, top five last year in MX2? At points. At points. And like one or two rounds. He's now privateer in America. Well, he kind of got a deal. Did he? He was racing for a tiny pod at the weekend. Okay. His first race with them. Okay. But still, he could have had so much more in MXGP had he, sta- had he, be- had he been able to stay in MX2. That is. Yeah. But yeah, things are happening. Like, I'm quite surprised, A, that conversations are as far along as they are and B, that so many people are open to talk about them at this point because usually it would just be getting started so there wouldn't even really be much to say whereas now it's basically like yeah, this could happen, this could happen, this is happening, that's happened, like, it's weird. Uh, I find it bizarre because we're only in uh, the beginning of April and they're already discussing 2020 and some of these riders are still just, you know, coming off of injuries or, you know, started the season late. We don't know how they're going to perform. So their future is already being made up already. It's the old, uh, it's the old, like, uh, what do you call it? Oh, no, not another analogy. No, it's, it's like the old... Baganels. It's like the little hidden secret. Like, if you have a terrible year for the first half and then start performing in the second half, it's too late. Unless you can, like, claw something together from what's left. But... Typically, like you'll sometimes see it on the reverse, that a rider will do really well at the beginning of the year through the first seven rounds, get a deal off of that, and then start to decline. Even, but then they don't even want to care because they've already got this deal. They've already kind of done their work and got what they set out to do achieve. Okay. So, um, but yeah, crazy. So, uh, I think this year is going to be the most interesting that we've, um, you know, we've been in MXGP full time for about four years now, and I think this year, um. I'm really excited to, to learn who's going where. Yeah, last year, well, it's kind of works in swings and roundabouts because last year there wasn't much happening on a silly season front. Because of that, you kind of then know that things are ha- going to happen this year because it just works like you'll get one year where everyone's up and then one year where no one's up. Last year was one of those no one's up years and then this year is the other. But it's the same in America as well. Everyone's basically up over there. So a lot of announcements are probably going to be coming out August time. Yeah, and we already, we've heard about a, a few of those announcements already. Yeah which is going to be really interesting. I like hearing about those things. Yeah, me too. It excites me. Cool. Um, so let's talk about MXGP this weekend. Great times. Great times. Great racing. I don't actually know what happened beyond second place because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just watched Kaiser and Crowley for the entire time. No, I think one of the, another person who looked really good was Paul Lam. If and, I'll take your word for it because I didn't actually see him once. And Tonus. I, I, I was watching both. And, um, you know, Wilvo Yamaha, I've got to be really pleased with how the riders performing this year. I don't think they can expect much more, can they? Especially considering they didn't have a single podium last year. I'm not even sure they had a single fourth overall last year. No, I can't think. Well, you write the press releases, don't you? So surely you should know this. I thought this. that was a secret. Oh, is it? I don't know. I've never told anyone who I do PR for. Oh, okay. Yes, I have now. Well, there we go. We've just brought him that wide open. Yeah, I've never, I've, always, I've never actually told anyone that I do any team press releases. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So when you get on me on Twitter about time management, because I'm not uploading podcasts at 3 a.m., yeah. it's because I'm writing team press releases. Oh, you see my hashtag? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't even, warrant, I didn't even think it warranted a reply because it was stupid. But then you kind of, yeah, I understand that. But then there was other parts of your job which you uh, were looking at, which was what certain females were doing it, it you know, on, on Instagram, uh, which isn't part of your, your I did, job. I was... I, but you were that able to tell us. Search, that two seconds search. Yeah, yeah, that two seconds turns into ten. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right, so... Um, but yeah. Yeah, right, let's go back to Wilver Yamaha. They've got to be really pleased with how the riders are performing. And Paul Ann seems to be like we, we expected. Seems to be happy. Uh, I, think he, I think he feels like more is coming still. Yeah. Because he keeps alluding to the fact that uh, like there needs to be improvements with a bike and he knows what they need to work on. And, oh, yeah, we've already had a plan for this five-week break and what we're going to test 10 days in advance and all of that. I don't think he would necessarily be too stoked on the fact that he is 30 seconds down on Crowley and Geyser. But then he also told me that uh, he um, doesn't really feel like he sees people go that fast too often. But even he was surprised by the pace that Crowley and Geyser were pushing. Okay. So but you know, he's, he's one of the more confident guys in the pits, I feel. So you know he believes he can get there eventually. Yeah. And who are we to question him? Because he's done it in the past. And uh, also, let's talk about Tonus, because you just said all he needs to do is put two races together. And he gave you that. Yeah, I guess he did it. Yeah. I guess I can't really say much. No. He was ill all week as well. Really? Yeah. Like, apparently he didn't tell anyone, because he didn't want to... I guess the beginning of the season was so up and down, he didn't really want to like chuck more fuel to the fire and be like, and now I'm ill. And now, yeah. yeah. So I got, oh, yeah, hey team, uh, I got cleaned out, my foot peg was ripped off. Yeah, and then I wasn't very good in the Vulcan, so I was saying, and now I'm ill, so basically don't expect much this weekend either. Yeah. But no, it all uh, worked out. No, that's good. And, and he I got re- over that and 4-4, which is big for him. Yeah. Because coming up on stat sheet later this week is a look at the last time he got 36 points at a GP. A long time ago? long time ago. Yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah. Yeah, he's had a rough old ride. A rough old ride. Yeah, that's a rough old ride. Um, Monticelli looked good. Can Another we, rider. Can, can we... We kind of completely skipped over the guys at Crowley Battles. We can, we can go back. Let's talk about it. Okay. Because we literally just said they were great and then we've, you hurried well, us along. Well, everybody must have seen the footage. Yeah. I but mean, come on. We're not... I've got, I've got things to say. Well, you say. Okay. First of all, Tim Geyser gave me a bloody good interview after the race. Like... Genuinely surprised. Even now, I'm genuinely surprised and impressed that he was so good at analysing what happened in his races. I'm also surprised that he, he spent that much time with you because you've been shit-talking him for the first couple when of weeks. When have I done that? You need to stop telling, saying that I shit-talk every single rider. I'm sure you did. No, never. Are you sure? Yeah, certain. I said... He loves a crash. No, never said that. No? I, said that his, I said his weekends have gone fast podium crash. And then last week I said, but this weekend he'll just go fast podium. And, and I was he right. did. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it back. Yeah. Maybe I'll just re-listen to episode two. Turn off your mic. Episode two. Oh, what? When you said Geyser was impressive in Argentina, and I said, no. I thought I was disappointed with him in Argentina because he didn't have much for Crowley. And I believe that he still has it in him where he can run Crowley down straight up and win. Here we are, round four. I was right. Okay. Brilliant. Pat on the back for me. So look at that. You've just been shut right down. Anyway. Wow. It's funny, because you're now going to say that, oh, I was so mean to you when you've just tried to bury me. No, no I'm not saying anything apart from uh, Conor McGregor swag. <laughs> what? So you... Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm not going to let him get to me. Surprised how... So Geyser. You, surprised you how good he him. was in the interview, because I basically threw a lot of like in-depth questions at him that riders wouldn't normally know, because normally the answer would be, I don't know, I didn't really think about it. But he actually had an answer for everything, like... 
the first moto, he would always lose time to Caroli in sector one. Always. No matter what happened, what the lap was, beginning of the race, end of the race, middle of the race, always lose time there, about five tenths. And then he'd always make up around six tenths in sector three. So his weak point was sector one, strong point was sector three, just, just in case you didn't follow that. Okay. Um, yeah. and, it always, and I always felt like it hurt him because he'd gained so much time in sector three, but wouldn't be able to use that to make a pass because effectively he'd only be making up the time that he lost in sector one. Right. Whereas if he'd been able to kind of flatline things in sector one and match Caroli, he then wouldn't have the need of making up time in sector three, so he'd be able to use that speed to kind of make a pass sooner. Yeah, got that. Yeah. Kind of, do you need me to explain that more? No, no, it? I've got that. Thanks for breaking that down. But yeah. So what did he say about where, where, where was he going wrong in sector one? I can't remember. <laughs> no, he said that he was always bad in sector one from free practice, time practice, and he knew it. Okay. He couldn't really say why, but he just knew it. But sector three was where the muddiest part of the tracks were on the muddiest parts of the track were on Saturday. Yeah. So there were quite deep ruts there, a lot of lines on Sunday. And he said that because he was behind Crowley for so long in the first motor, he was able to experiment. And he said that all he was doing was experimenting. And, oh, he, and he ended up finding some really good lines. Eventually, just worked out to the fact that he was just uh, six tenths faster each lap on average. Wow. And then interestingly, uh, Moto2, the tables were turned and Geyser got the whole shot. And Crowley passed him. Now, not to completely rehash what I said in the interview, but Crowley passes Geyser, and you automatically go, well, that's it. That's not very good for Geyser. No. I thought, and I felt like I was ballsy to ask this, because I could have... I said that I thought it kind of looked like he wanted Crowley to pass him, <laughs> which, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Because I just felt like the second Crowley passed him, it looked like he went, okay, I can do this. Whereas it looked like he was a bit tighter when he was leading yeah. and he said that he even felt before Crowley passed him that he was effectively running wide in corners and stuff and basically saying come on like can you please pass me really because he's because he led from the start he just didn't have he didn't have the same time in the first race to see what Crowley was doing and see what he was doing wrong and he said that he was the way that he was kind of assessing his own performance was on the parts of the track where he'd hear Crowley he'd be like right I'm shit in this part and then there'd be other parts of the track where he couldn't hear Crowley. So he'd be like, right, obviously, I'm gaining time here. So he already knew before Crowley had even passed him where he was losing time to Crowley. They said he was really focusing on just listening to his engine, just to see how close he was getting in certain spots. Not because he knew he needed to protect the inside or whatever, just so he could find out where he was losing time and where Crowley was better. That's really like, interesting. interesting that he really could give all of this. Because like I say, most riders, he was still stood in kit at this point. So he didn't even have time to think about anything. No. Most riders would have just gone, oh, I don't know, I guess I was just good there. Yeah. Like, but yeah, interesting. No, that's very cool. Yeah. And he didn't realize how close Caroli was to cleaning him out when he crashed in the second race. Okay. So I broke that news to him. And he's like, he just said, sometimes you need a little luck. But seriously, if Geyser was like, a second further back on the track, Crowley would have T-boned the shit out of him. Wow. And we would have had that Trentino battle would have become highlight reel stuff for years and years and years. Just from the T-bone. Yep. But luckily, Geyser was just ahead. Uh, interestingly, Crowley's crash, I believe, came from the fact that he was limping after the race because he damaged his ankle. I don't know to what extent. I just think he was a bit battered and bruised. But two corners before he crashed, supposedly, I didn't speak to him. Well, I think it was shown on the TV footage. He kind of made a mistake in a rut and drug his foot a little bit. Yeah. And he damaged his ankle at that point and then crashed two seconds later because of his damaged ankle. So obviously you'd see him crash and think that, uh, and just think that, oh, that caused the ankle issue. But it was actually 
Two and pointers before. Yeah, and it was the ankle issue that caused the crash rather than, rather than vice versa. Oh, wow. I feel like I've just, like... Blow my mind. I feel like I'm getting excited about these. I feel like I didn't know how much I had to say. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, what else have I got to say? Guys' first 1-1 one, one since... 2017. What race? Does he listen to me? <laughs> Does he listen to me? Uh, go. Um, Mexico. Okay. Mexico. And Mexico 2017, I still have guys that, like, imprinted in my mind because he was so good that weekend. Honestly, like... After seeing Hurlins ride for five years now, what was that, round, round, one? round four. Mexico has never been round one. <laughs> okay. It Good was guess. 20, um, yeah, 2017. But yeah, so 2017, I think they went, yeah, Qatar, Indonesia, um, Argentina, Mexico. But anyway, our uh, geyser in Mexico 2017 was unbelievable. Like, I've seen Hurlins ride all these years, all last year. He was at that level, which is what I've kind of always said I'm waiting for because I've seen that in person. I know that's there. Yeah. So all this time I've just been waiting for him to get back there. This was the first time that I saw that, and I was like, even Matterly, before his crash when he was sprinting, I feel like I didn't believe as much as I do now after seeing Trentino. Okay. So you are <laughs> on just, the on no, the geyser bandwagon. Well, this is a question that I wanted to pose. Mm-hmm. Does this change your thoughts on him title wise? Because I think it's fair to say after round three we were all kind of this is a crony runaway or going to be close to that. So. Do you now look at Geyser as more of a title threat or more, or even the favourite or any like that? Uh, no. I, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, my money's still on Caroli. But do you look at him as more of a threat? Absolutely, yeah. yeah when you got to. I mean, we, we know that he has to be the ability. Um, it's that consistency. So if he can... Podium con- at every round, though. Yeah, yeah. When I mean, was the last time he had four podiums in a row? I'll be stat sheeting that later he, this week. He dropped some points on Falcons, work. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's the old, not to rehash old topics, but the fact that he... No, but that's what I'm saying. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, if he, if he, even if he, if he puts in, you know, three consecutive second overalls with, you know, 622s, you know, from races. So that, that would show me the consistency. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he definitely has all the tools to, to be able to, to take this, you know, take the title. But it's just, it all stems on how Caroli performs. Caroli's still my favorite for the title. And I don't really view it differently. But whereas before I would go to Matterley or Vulcan Swipe and automatically sit there and go Crowley 1-1, Crowley 1-1, Crowley 1-1, I will now go to each race expecting Geyser to hit this level consistently. And I think, I genuinely believe, he didn't really go there when I asked him, but I genuinely believe this has to be such a monkey off his back. Like, if you're a two-time world champion and you don't win in two years, okay, Two years since he went 1-1. His last GP win was Sweden in 2017, which was August. Still a year and a half. If you don't win for that long, it's got to bother you. Yeah. Like, you've got to just sit there every day and be like, why? What what have I got to do? So you have to think that this is such a monkey off his back and that's going to help him moving forward. Did In, in the interviews and in, in speaking to him, has he, is he, is he kind of pointed to any, any parts of his program that he's changed? It's just time. Like, it's literally... It's just literally a result of him having an extended period injury-free. That's literally it. Like, even last year, okay, he came back at Volkenswald, which was, what, round two, raced for the entire year, but he was still playing catch-up, so he didn't have a really, he didn't really have that long at 100%. And even once he hit 100%, the rest of the riders were at 115%. This is kind of the first time that he's been on a level pegging, uh, level pegging field? Playing field. Playing field. Pegging field? So there's something uh, to do with a pegging field. No, I don't know. Level pegging? Level pegging. But not, yeah. There's no pegging field, right. This is the first time he's been on level pegging with 
Caroli and that and started the season in the same place and been able to progress at a similar rate since 2017. Interestingly, just thought, uh, Trentino, 1-1, Geyser, round four. Mexico, 2017, round four. Geyser, 1-1. Wow, you love a little pattern. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. For, who would have thought? Little things. Yeah, little things. Yeah. Keep me going. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so one of my greatest things now moving forward, guys is good at Mantova. We know that. Uh, 2016. 16? Yeah, 16 was when he had that battle with Crowley, which was, again, phenomenal. So we should expect him to be at that level in Mantova, round five. So if he does it, if he goes 1-1 again there, I won't be surprised. And I won't, it still won't change my opinion of him title-wise or anything. And following round in Portugal, if he make if he shows this speed there, that will change that will change everything for me, okay. because that isn't necessarily a place where he's had success before, or a place where you go you head there like Trentino or like Mantova, where you go there and go guys is good here. Okay, so Portugal is a long way away, like forty days away, but that is where what I'm waiting for now for a guys to test. So that's going to be where that where is where he shows I will you be, whether he's going to be a title contender yeah. or not. Well, I think he'll be a contender. With little Quotation. quotations, but I'm here to help. This is where, <laughs> but Portugal will show me if he's going to be a title contender without quotations. Okay, but that is now what I'm waiting to see from Geyser because Mantova, I kind of feel like I know what I'm going to get. Cool. Well, uh, before we go on to any other riders, let's have a, an advert break from one of our sponsors, 24MX. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favourite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. BMX Shop. Brilliant. Thanks to 24MX for uh, advertising as always. They have a deal on at the moment, uh, which are tents for $59.99 without walls and $79.99 with walls. So uh, grab yourself a bargain. It's only available for about another week. 65% off that, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's usually about 150 quid or something. Yeah, 65% off. One of the uh, things which always, uh, you know, makes me kind of um, laugh is I went to Erzberg last year and literally as we're driving up the mountain, all we seen was just 24MX pop-up tents everywhere. And just in the middle of Austria, there's quarry and there's just 24MX tents everywhere. They, I've seen them literally all around the world. They are everywhere. Vulcanswad, I remember seeing loads. Yeah. Matley, I remember seeing loads. So there we go. So uh, again, without those guys, we couldn't do the podcast show. So um, appreciate Showed what them do. some love. Yeah. So obviously, you're you're pretty impressed with uh, both Tim and Antonio's ride the weekend. Yeah, you could say that they did well. Well, it's nice to see you excited about racing for once. I was. I feel like that first little segment there, just like think what it was thirty two minutes. Yeah, I think so. I did 29 of those. Yeah. <laughs> you were very excited. Yeah. I just kind of, you know what happens, like, just got tunnel vision in the moment, yeah. in the zone, and then that's, off I went. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Much, much like Tim at the weekend. You must be great to go out for dinner with at night. Why? Just maybe, like, you should probably talk about something else. What, other than motocross? Yeah. Is there other things? No, not really. No, I didn't Everything so. else is kind of boring. So, before I was uh, cut short... Yeah, well, because you oddly decided to start off with <laughs> Pauline and Tonus. Yeah, well, you know. Why, what, tell, you, you clearly had a, a reason for that, and I don't think you really spoke about them, so. No, I think we covered. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I, I put I, you on the spot there. No, I feel, I feel like we covered the, wheel, the whole Wilvo ride. I mean, I was, I, was, I was really impressed with Tonus. You know, we've been, we've been talking about, you know, putting two results together, and, and he's done exactly that. And it was great to see 
you know, him get a little bit of success and for it all to, to come right. Because he's the guy's been, you know, with the injuries and stuff and everything, he really has been through the middle the last few years. I'm not sure if now is the time to uh, go off on a little tangent. Do it. Just something I was looking into last night. Excuse you. That was my laptop. Yeah, by whatever. The way. Uh, whatever. Just something I was looking into last night while I was, when I got back from uh, Trentino. Is, is that porn again? No, not that. That okay. isn't what I'm going to be talking about now. Okay. Uh, how many riders have actually finished every single moto in MXGP? Okay. It's like, so it's, I don't even know what to describe. So, hang on. Let me just, so last night, you decided to sit down and look at how many riders just finished both. All eight motos this year. Okay. Anything else you've done last <laughs> I don't, night? No, I, don't, I don't even remember what made me do it because I didn't use that information for anything. Wow. I just got interested. So, Caroli has obviously finished every... <laughs> Why? What did you do with last night? Uh, well, just said hello to everybody as I got in because it was quite late. Oh. Um, and then sort of spent some time with, with the kids and, oh. and that type of thing. Had something to eat. Oh, I, didn't, I actually uh, didn't have dinner, so... Yeah, just yeah. kind of chilled out and tried to relax from, from driving for... Oh. Everywhere. See, I was doing this. Okay, yeah. So, Caroli and Geyser and Paulin and Jazakonis, those are your top four in the championship. They mm-hmm. finished all eight motos. Van Horbick, fifth, hasn't. Dassault, sixth, hasn't. Sewer and Simpson in a seventh and eighth have. Lieber in ninth has, but he scored one point in a moto at Matley. So, very nearly had a 0 2. So, kind of on the bubble. Tonus mm-hmm. definitely hasn't finished every moto. No. Uh, Jonas has, again, he had two points in Trentino, so very close to basically joining the group. Yep. And then uh, after that, Monticelli hasn't. Koldenov has, but then after that, Lupino, no. Tommy, no. Max, no. Tixier, no. Leoc, no. And it's just all no's. We're only eight motos in. What? How many people did I just list? Four, six, seven, eight, Maybe nine. nine. Maybe nine, nine riders. Nine, nine riders have managed to score points. Out in of, eight motos. Out of 34 on the line. Like, how? It must be harder than we think. Yeah. But yeah, but it just surprised me, the c- lack of consistency. And we see that because Tonus, who, not to be harsh, but hasn't done much this year before Trentino, fair to say. Mm-hmm. We showed glimpses, but yeah, he was never he able didn't to... Didn't really result in anything. Yeah. It's 10th in the championship now, even though he's DNF'd uh, two of the eight motos and has only been in the top five twice. He's now 10th in the championship. Yeah. But the actual Crazy. Cha- championship classification, you know, when you, when you think that Caroli is on 191 points, but then 10th is only on 71. Exactly. It's just the inconsistency. I think that's what surprised me about it last night because I was thinking about Jazakonis being fourth in the championship. And then I was like, everyone else has just been inconsistent. It's been a weird year. Yeah. And I think that's why everyone was so relieved to see something happen in Trentino positively, like a amazing battle because so far the story has been the inconsistencies rather than the race at the front just something just a random little stat that i think surprised me and mx2 similar as well but then you expect it from mx2 because younger guys lose their heads all of that well actually uh, i have got to give you kudos on on one thing oh yeah <laughs> let, so me, I'm, wait, I'm, let me get comfortable for this <laughs> <laughs> you called it on van horbeek because you said that you know he would be in the bubble with everything going on, the whole, um, you know, down with everybody. This is a privateer effort, blah, blah, blah. And it looks like maybe, maybe that they've hit a bump in the road. Yes, the bump being Van Horbeck's body because he crashed 
by all I didn't see it, but apparently it was even other riders have said it's it was a very, very hard crash in the second moto. It was off um so before you drop down to the corner before pit lane, mm-hmm. which is kind of not really a step down, it's just a drop. There's yeah. like a wall jump before it. Yeah. And he basically crashed on the landing of that wall jump. So you can wow. imagine that the impact must have been from quite high. That basically shoots you right up in the air. Yeah, that is a wall jump and a half, that one. Yeah. So and medics were pretty uh frantic as well. But he eventually walked off alone, so obviously nothing was bad. But it was a big one. Yeah. And I think he was quite beaten up, but five week break, so probably won't impact anything. But yeah, this is his first uh chink of the armor, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Um, so going back to what I was previously saying, um, no, af- oh. after Wilvo was Ivo Monticelli. So I know that it was in Italy, you know, in front of his home crowd, but great performance. He was, he was fast all weekend. It is funny, right? So you've just given me kudos. kudos. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Not kudos. And uh, now I feel like we need to give Standing Construct kudos. We do. Because... When I can't remember when they saw, when they announced the Monticelli signing, but I first heard about it in Switzerland last year. Yeah, and all anyone wanted to tell me was like, "Can you believe it? There are so many riders that they could have signed. They've gone with Monticelli of all people, like crazy." And everyone, no one was scared to say like, "That's a weird signing." And then, if I remember right, uh, Tim Mathis, the standing contract team owner, said that he sees potential and he just feels like he like, give Monticelli a good bike and a strong training program. And he'll be able to do something. And again, you read that or you hear that at a time when you're like, okay, that's the standard PR talk, like great work. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. Like who like who saw this coming? Like we give Red Bull KTM uh props for pulling Vial out and turning him into a podium contender. I think this is more impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. Molding a rider who has who is at the start of their career is easy because they haven't necessarily decided the rider they want to be yet, if that makes sense. They're yeah. still easily influenced. To manage to turn Monticelli into a top five MXGP rider in a winter yeah. is unbelievable. Like, actually insane. And it's not even like it was a flash in the pan either, because he's shown that speed all year long. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm super impressed with uh, what he's done this year. And who would have thought at this, at this point, he would be the leading standing construct rider? I think there's actually more to come as well because uh, I remember hearing him say that the most important thing for him at the moment is running that pace at the front for 10 to 20 minutes to learn it, see what, just see what it's all about because he's never been there, even in MX2. So you've got to think after this weekend, he's more familiar with it. So next time he gets a good start, which seems to happen a lot with that standing construct KTM, yeah. he's going to stay there a bit longer and maybe finish fourth, maybe finish third. Like, this is a building process, and you can even see that because Argentina, he ran fifth, sixth in the second moto for a little while and clearly got tired and dropped a hammer quickly. Didn't happen in Trentino. No. So clearly he's making rapid gains even mid-season, which is hard to do, and you've got to think this five-week break is only going to help. One thing I was going to ask is, do you think the performances uh, at the weekend lent itself uh, to how maybe in some places how one line the track was? Yeah, in a way. But at the same time, if you're slow, you're still going to get past. Yeah. Like, stick me out on that track ahead of Geyser on a one-line track. He's still going to find a way around me. I reckon he might. Yeah, I feel like he's probably got a good shot at that. Yeah, maybe so, about 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> <I probably laughs> out of 11 laps. I probably would have got lapped. I think I did 19 laps in, on the weekend. I think yeah. I would have got lapped 27 times. Not yeah. even possible, but... Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. 
Yeah, that does have something to do with it. And we mentioned on a Saturday podcast that quite a few riders who aren't 100% had hinted or riders or other people had hinted about them that Trentino would be better for them because it's not as fast. The first non-fast track we've seen. Yeah. So there's more opportunities to stop, take a breather and kind of reset yourself rather than going 35 minutes holding your breath the whole time and pumping up and whatever else. It's similar to um, the old thing like in Supercross. Everyone says that when you're in the air over a triple, that's your time to take a breather. Okay. Similar to Trentino when like you're sat in a tight little corner, like you can kind of, it's just different to what we've seen. So maybe that helped Monticelli because like I said, Argentina, fast, it kind of got to him a little bit. So maybe that was a part of it as well. But then that's with any riders. You can't say the track was one line and take it, take the performances away from them. Because like I said, if he was slow, he would have got past. And it's not like he had people right up his ass. Yeah. So uh, right away through Saturday and into, into Sunday, we've seen that the Italians were obviously quite strong. And uh, one thing I wanted to say to you is like, we, we kind of like mentioned a little bit about Matley where we were at Matley and there was a lot of commentary about the, um, the British riders. Yeah. And we kind of thought, ah, maybe that's a little bit disrespectful to everybody else, as in, uh, you know, kind of like... Uh, there was so much focus on the UK riders. However, one thing I did notice in, in Italy the weekend was it's exactly the same. So basically, they were just talking about constantly the Italian riders. So it, maybe it is just a country-by-country country thing. So, um, you know, they're obviously very excited about their 125, their 250, but it, again, in MXGP and in, in MX2, it was so much talk about, uh, I don't know much Italian, so... No, that's what I was thinking as you were saying <laughs> But it was the names. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I think that, you know, the whole commentary thing when we had that little discussion about it, it wasn't just, um, it isn't just uh, the UK, which has a favoritism for the UK riders. It is every country is exactly the same. Also on the Italian topic, I think in the first MXGP moto, Caroli, Monticelli and Lupino started one, two, three and were there for like three corners. Yeah. Like that must have been, if you were an Italian fan, that must have been awesome. That must have been pretty cool. But I'm not an Italian fan. Not yeah. sure if you know I'm English. Not yeah. sure if you've realized that. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. But even I saw that and I was like, that's cool. That is the stuff that all fans kind of dream of. Yeah. I mean, they, they did look, all three of them did look fast all weekend. Um, and it's interesting that Lupino finished seventh overall. Are you just going to shit on Jazakonis and talk straight over him? He was sixth. No, I'm not, I'm not at all. I was just wanted come... to make sure because no, I'm, I'm team AJ. I, I know you like structure. I'm t- no, it's just what I was but making I was, sure because we I'm talking, Team AJ. And we I'm were talking to... Italians, hence the reason why I was talking about okay. Lupino. Just saying, I'm Team AJ. So You're I just not Team make AJ. Sure that we're going to get the credit that we deserve from you. In Valkensvard, we realised that you went Team AJ. No, I'm now Team AJ. You can't just come on the bandwagon. It's full up. No, we signed a mid-season switch. No, no, transfer's not open yet. He welcomed me to his team with open arms. No, I don't think it was welcome. I think he was trying to punch me and I just was like, oh, thanks. He <laughs> said in his words... You said this last week. I, I think it's quite funny. Why, it, why does Lewis shit talk me on the podcast? That's his exact words. But as I, when I explain what I was saying to a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, you're kind of right. Not to Arminus, you know. Well, it's funny because in the interview that I did with him at Vulcanswad, he kind of said what I, about talking about himself. He kind of said what I've been saying on this podcast, but rephrased it. And I was like, yeah, see, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. We, both AJ and myself, we don't believe you. Well, both AJ and myself hate you, so. Okay. But <laughs> another great performance, just grinding that out again. And 
Who would have thought we're four reigns in and he's fourth in the championship? Oh, no one would have thought that. Maybe he's one of these people who the break's going to hurt because he's clearly got momentum on his side. So yeah. I'm sure he wishes he could just keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and the things what we have to remember is this is not the finished article. He is kind of a rough diamond. He's... What? Yeah, you learned more about the weekend, so expand. Okay, so uh, I think he's done, is it less than 20 GPs over the last couple of years? Yeah, well, last year he was out. He, I think it was a French GP went out, so he made it nine rounds in. Suzuki, he did all but two, because I think he got injured at WW. Yeah. So in total, that would be about, uh, he's probably done about 28, because he did the last five with Suzuki in 2016. Okay. Still not a lot of bike time in MXGP. Pretty sure, pretty sure when you just asked me that little question, you weren't because you didn't really need that much detail in your answer, did you? <laughs> no, you, just, you, really, you really need to get out. I think you were just looking for a, yeah, no. <laughs> it would be great, yeah, if you could just yes, no sometimes. Okay, yeah, sorry. thanks. Just showing off. Big balls. Mm. Um, no. What? Nah. What? Not showing off? I thought you wanted that. I wasn't. Oh, no, no. no. I'm, I'm happy with your, your okay. contribution. Continue. Yeah, thanks. Uh, glad I got your permission. Yeah, so what we do know is that uh, possibly he's came into the season not in the best condition. So something that he's still working on, I'm sure the team's still working on, um, which is got to be scary for the rest of the riders in that, in, in that division because uh, he's come into this, he's, he's looking fast. I mean, he, he looks so good around Valkosvard last week. And then to see him again perform this weekend and to know that there's still yet more to come. I mean... The, the future's looking really good. He could be one of the stills of the season. In the same way that I was looking at Van Horbit going in, like, doing well on the slick hard pack of Italy would be kind of like the final test. You could almost look at Jazakonis in the same way, and he has just been rock solid, if you'll pardon the pun. Everyone loves that. That pun makes me laugh when I say that. Uh, every, um, every single round. No matter the conditions, he's all, never failed. Nope. So, I see no reason why he's not going to stay there all season. And, as I said last week, I'll backtrack. I said he wouldn't podium this season. He's, he's going to podium he's this season. He's definitely podium yeah. this season. Yeah. It's actually, looking at his results, it's a, it's, a, it is a surprise he hasn't done it already. I think it would be a, a shock as well if Ice One didn't keep him on at the end oh, of this year. I mean, I don't know, but I presume those conversations have already started based on how he's rode this year. Well, being fourth in the championship is going to definitely help um, give him a bit of a pay rise. Hurry up negotiations, won't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean... Um, like I say, you know, uh, his manager, Glenn's definitely going to have his, uh, his uh, work cut out. But I guess, again, similar to what I said about Monticelli and standing construct, you've got to give Anti and Ice One credit because not to the same level, but when it was announced they'd signed Jazakonis, there were plenty of questions and yeah. people on social media and whatever wondering why the hell they did it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's working. Like, because he's not, you know, let's, let's forget this year, but up until this year, he wasn't a high-profile rider. Yeah, but... And then obviously people base their opinions off of results. Whereas obviously Anti and Ice One and Husqvarna, who were there every week, watched him with their eyes rather than watching the results. Yeah. And saw something that they could work with. Yeah. And that's so important nowadays. With so much young talent just coming through like a bloody conveyor belt, it's more about what you can do with young riders rather than these old vets like Van Horby. Yeah. So he's there. Again. He is there, yes. He's there again. Sean Simpson. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jessica. This. No, no. Yep. I'm actually quite... Uh, another thing I was thinking about last night that I looked up. Um, so he is eighth in the championship at the moment. Okay. Just 10 points down on Sewer in seventh. But 
he crashed on the last lap of the first moto at the British GP. I think he was ninth at the time, and he went back to 16th. So what? That's a difference of... Please hold while I do the maths in my head. That is a difference. I wasn't listening, so I can't help you out. <laughs> that is a difference of... What's the difference between 12 and 5? 7. 7. Oh my That's the difference of 7 points. So... If there are any young kids out there um, who are listening, this is why you need to stay in school. I'm a writer. I stayed in school. Don't start those rumours either. Okay. The only reason I didn't go to university is because you promised me a job at MX Vice. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm regretting it now because you probably should have just done a couple more years of maths. But um, yeah, so add those seven points and he would be right there with Sua for seventh in the championship. And then Van Horbeck and DeSalle aren't that far. So he really wouldn't be that far from a top five position in the championship. As I've said a million times, this is what we expect from Sean Simpson. He is this good. There's no reason why he can't be better than this. Well, one thing which I found uh, really interesting about his performance the weekend was um, the way he come through the pack. He crashed. Um, I don't, I, actually, I don't know if he, he crashed or he, uh, he was right at the back. I can't remember. But basically, it was how he came through, chased the riders down, and just kept grinding away. It was a great result. I think with Sean, with a new bike, new team, kind of a rebuilding year after two injury hit years or that, I yeah. think it was really important to get through these four rounds and establish a solid base. Bases don't get much more solid than this, so I really think he's going to take that, build on it, and be even better when we get to Mantua. And I, I think good things are coming. And I think yeah. he's going to surprise a lot of people who wrote him off. But as I said, this is what Sean Simpson does. There's no reason to be surprised at this at no. all. There's, like, look at the riders behind him. He's just as good as Lieber, if not better. Why, like, why would people be surprised that he's ahead of him? Yeah. So uh, one person we've seen bounce back the weekend, and again, is this down to the track, or is this actually, we're, we're seeing an improvement with him, is Glenn Koldenhoff. I think we're seeing an improvement. The writing was kind of already on the wall, but he was progressing quicker than expected at Matalia and Volkenswad. So I think things are moving, and I think by the time Mantova comes around, he'll be back, so to speak. Yeah. Like we talked at the beginning about riders who are going to be back at Mantova and shake things up. You could say riders like Koldenoff, Sua, Jonas haven't been there, so to speak, because no. although they're out there, they're a shadow of their former selves because of injuries and illnesses. So give them a chance to get back to 100% and it will almost be like a new rider, another rider in the podium mix and suddenly... The class isn't deeper because obviously, like I say, they've been racing, but the battle for a spot in the top five becomes so much more competitive. My, do you want to hear my shock or most impressed uh, comeback of the weekend? Yeah. Patrell. Oh, I was impressed. Me too. I did not expect that. No, and I especially didn't expect it after, after um, practice, free practice and time practice because that wasn't good for him. It was so bad, in fact, that I was like... Panic burn. I was thinking, like, he's come back too soon. Like, this, is, this is terrible. But not only, he, he started well, which obviously helped, but he didn't really look out of place and he held his ground quite well. Yeah. Bet, a million times better than last year when I don't even really remember noticing him. I think at one point he was seventh, eighth. I, gen- like I generally, now that I think back to last year, I cannot think of a single time that I remember noticing him on track and being like, he's doing well, like I did at the weekend. Yeah. So I think he'll be much improved eventually over where he was last year. Yeah, it really made me stand up and kind of think, okay, he's, he's got the speed. If he can get back to, you know, 100%, obviously with the recovery from uh, arm pump surgery, which he's just had. Uh, he obviously had the injuries last year. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I literally stood up and took notes the weekend. It was an impressive ride. And he did admit that after 15 minutes, he was basically blown out and tired. I can imagine, yeah. But you, you alluded to it there, but I think we can't forget he has, too, had a rough road over the last two years. Yeah. So he had internal injuries at the end of his final MX2 season in 2017. I think it was, I can't remember what exactly, but it was something internally bad, obviously. Yeah. Then didn't get an MXGP ride. No. So had a whole winter where he wasn't riding, testing, and didn't really know where the ground lied. Eventually got a deal with Marchetti. So then had to play catch up through the first or the middle part of the 2018 season. Not ideal when you make your MXGP debut. And then he, I can't remember, he got injured or ill or something towards the end of 2018. Missed a whole chunk of time there. And then he's had this recent surgery to relieve arm pump. So he, like we just said about Simpson, he just needs to get a base under him because yeah. the last two years have been chaos. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess literally the, the guys around him must be just saying keep it on two wheels and just get some some time on the bike. Uh, we kind of skipped over. Oh, we skipped over a lot. Don't oh, yeah. you, don't panic. Oh no, there was just one rider who I wanted to um, talk about. Okay, uh, let's talk about after Coldenoff was sewer in tenth. Just yeah. a quick little note. Okay, uh, he crashed at the start of the second MXGP race with there, Jonas. Wasn't and there a whole group of them? Van Horbeek. Van Horbeek. Yeah, Jonas and Van Horbeek, and he had to have stitches on his leg, I think. And he was all bruised up and stuff. Okay. But nothing serious, but just a little note. He'd done well to come through. Yeah. Like I say, I'm bloody excited about when he gets back to 100% because I think good, good things are coming. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else you want to kind of talk about within Bogus? MXGP? Okay, let's talk. Did you know where Bogus finished in the second race without looking down at your thing? Yeah, I did actually because he, at the, I think he was going around with... Uh, oh damn, who was it? He was in about 8th or ninth. Yeah, he finished ninth. Yeah. Finished so. ninth in the hard pack. And I said, I'll, get, I'll hold my hands up. I said, like, although Volkenswad was good for him, yeah. it could quite easily go to shit again at Trentino. Yeah. But and didn't... the first first race. But he, he crashed. He, yeah. And he was coming from way back. So, yeah. But he wasn't moving forward at, like, an alarm. No, rate. he wasn't, yeah. but And there was a couple of things, like uh, a couple of riders dropped out, a few crashed as well, and it enabled him to get into the points. But that second race was exactly what he needed. That was 100% a bigger pick-me-up than Volkenswad was, yeah. especially at that track. Because I'm sure that we were saying that Volkenswad was good for him, but it was sad. And I'm sure he was sat there thinking that. Do you, do you know what? Like you, you just mentioned, there was, a, there was a crash in the corner. I think there was, a, there was more than three people involved in that crash because they were all coming from I think from those the were the three like, big heavy ones. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you have to take your chances. So let's, let's just say those guys didn't go down and they were in front of Bogus and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, he took his chance. They went down, he took his chance, and he done well. Yeah, I think a lot of people were waiting for him to drop back, and he didn't. Yeah. Rock solid. And he may, be on, he may now be en route to saving his MXGP career a little bit. Because okay. if he can keep doing that and put it in the top 10, then he's going to get a ride next year. So uh, one person who, well, one, two, three... Uh, a few people did have weekends to, to forget. So let's talk about DeSalle, because people might not know uh, what's happened to Clement. Okay. Do you want me to take that one? Yes, please. Okay. So it was a bit of an odd one in many ways, because he injured his hand at uh, Massey Basin, and it was all hard to ride with and everything. So Sunday wasn't great for him there, but it was okay. Nothing like alarming or anything. So then Volkenswald was good. And he finished second in the first race, but he twisted his knee in that first race. Mm-hmm. Again, like, so you're like, alarm bells, what's happening? But he came back to finish fifth in the second race, which makes you go, eh, 
Can't be that bad. Knee's fine. Yeah. Like, whatever. It must have gotten worse in the week since then or something. I guess, what, the second moto took place an hour after it got twisted. So, Maybe obviously, yeah, yeah, and the second you rest, it swells up and all of that. So, uh, Trentino wasn't good. Like, yeah. from the start of Saturday, it was evident something was wrong. Yeah. And it was just because of that hand and knee. And, uh, yeah, it was a uh, meniscus he did in his knee without crashing, just twisted it, like I said. And, yeah, he's had small surgery, but he'll be back for Mantova. Or he thinks he'll be back for Mantova. I guess there's always complications or whatever, but... Yeah, but it's looking good for Mantova. So, yeah, that's another former GP winner under the knife this year. We've had Fevre, we've had Hurlins, we've had Desail. Those are three big names to have all had surgery yeah. by round four. Yeah. Strybos. Well, I was thinking more like... What, what, <laughs> do you want to talk about what you, the butt patch, what you're going to get for, for Kevin Strybos? I'm trying. Do, do you want to mention it to everybody else? No, because I want it to be a surprise. Okay. But I am working on something. If I have my way, Strybos will have a butt patch on, which will be very funny. It will be very funny, but I don't think he's going to get well, I need to, it. I need to, like, either I need to not, he needs to not find out, or well, I need well, to just what convince you can do, him. Stitch it on. Well, no, because he gets, riders get delivered gear. So I'll just talk to just one, get it stitched on, and then when he pulls his gear out of the bag, he'll just go, oh, what the hell's this? And then I'll be like, I'll jump out of nowhere and be like, surprise. <laughs> Christ. I don't think I'll be allowed to do it though, but it would have been funny. No, no, you definitely won't be allowed to do it. So yeah, and we've already spoken about Van Horbeek. Yeah, who... but I don't think you can read too much into his performance. Bad starts, crash. Yeah. Well, it's just one of those weekends where nothing went right, really. No. But he didn't look, he wasn't his usual self or his usual self by the first three standards that were set in the first three rounds. But I will be interested, a stat I haven't looked up that I'll be interested to look at is how many times he's actually made it through the first eight motos of a season without DNF in one. I can think of a few times where it hasn't worked out that way. So, yeah, I'm going to be uh, diving into that stat. One rider we've got to talk about, Max Anstey. Oh. What the hell happened? Oh, Max Anstey. Oh. (laughs) Who's he harmed? Oh, the funniest... He wins wins something from the weekend, and that's funniest one line in an interview that I did. Okay. Because whilst I was questioning him on just... uh, weird weekend he uh as he said like oh yeah i feel fast so that's not a problem i don't feel like i need to work on myself and the bike's really good so i don't need to work on the bike he said he just needs to go to church and pray because <laughs> that's apparently the only thing that's gonna help him because like i said in the interview if you haven't listened i'm sure there's some people who just look at it on a slight just look at the surface of what's going on and say oh he's not on a factory team now that's why he's having all of these problems but laying it all out there Argentina, he DNF uh, first race. That was a mechanical issue. That yeah. was an exhaust issue. Okay? So that, yeah, that was a mechanical. Okay. Uh, Matterley, he crashed in the first corner, second corner of the uh, second race. That screwed that one. Vulcan Swart, first moto, was leading. Could have won that. Straight up, could have won that. Yeah, he was going well. Crashed. Well, he hit neutral, didn't he? Uh, stalled it, I think. But crashed. And, okay, that was his fault. Mistake, whatever. Yeah. He would have been up a lot sooner and probably still finished top five. But bad luck, his foot peg got pierced on his pants and he couldn't separate himself from the foot peg for about a year. But good luck, it wasn't on the front of his pants. Okay, fair enough. So that's more weird luck. Uh, second race at Volkenswaard, I can't remember what happened. So it's your job, you should know. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, he finished ninth, but I remember him coming from way back. can't remember if he crashed or something. But either way, so ninth, nothing to sniff at. Mm-hmm. Uh, first moto in Trentino, bad start. Was coming forward, crashed. Nothing to sniff at. Nothing to sniff at. That's the saying. I, the thing is, right, is you say 
so many of these sayings now. I'm so confused about what is right it's and what is wrong. It's nothing to sniff at. It's nothing, okay. nothing to turn your nose up at. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's yeah, the, the same thing, isn't it? Nothing to sniff at. Nothing to go at. <laughs> it depends on what you're sniffing. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, Trentino, he um, crashed uh, whilst coming through the field after a bad start. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a bad crash. I think it was kind of bad. He kind of like didn't injure his knee, but he was a bit banged up after it. But I couldn't see because of the advertising boards. But when he got up, the crowd all did like a polite clap to tell him like, good job on getting up, which makes you think it was bad. Yeah. I think he found it funny that the crowd gave him that little clap because he was fine and you can laugh about it. And then a second moto, his spokes in his wheel just disappeared. <laughs> like, he, like he didn't, you'd think it was a heavy landing, but he doesn't think it was that. He thinks that another rider must have put their foot peg through his wheel in a turn, but he doesn't remember it happening. So again, like, there's nothing he could have done to fix that. Just no. bad luck. Yeah. So he's 16th in a championship. He shouldn't be 16th in a championship. There's nothing to say because it's just bad luck. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He looks bloody fast. Like, he does look good. Back, I don't know what they've got going on under that standing construct KTM awning because they've clearly got some kind of magic potion because Monticelli's killing it. But Max looks fast. And we actually have evidence to prove that now because after rejoining the race, uh, in the second moto, he went a lap down because he pulled in to get his wheel uh, swapped out. Uh, he rejoined the race just behind Gautier Paulin, who was running third. Didn't lose touch with him at all. I would actually say he was faster than Paulin, but obviously, race etiquette, he didn't want to pass him. No. But it was quite clear he was fast enough to be on the podium in Trentino. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would say that Trentino's a track that is his favourite or where he's the best. We could, based on his speed and how he looks, he could, we could be sat here right now and talking about how he's had multiple podiums through the first four rounds. Instead, we're talking about this weird voodoo luck yeah. thing. But he deserves credit for his speed and the way he looks on a bike because it's all good. It's all good. Just needs to go to church. Uh, one performance I should mention is actually uh, Brian Lyakov, who put in uh, 15th from race two, which wasn't bad. Mm, wasn't bad. I mean, did we expect him to do more than 15th? No, but I do eventually. Yeah. I, actually, no. I think before the season, I expected him to do more than 15th. But after seeing him at Balkanswad, obviously, I changed my expectations a little bit. Yeah. But I think he can be better than that eventually. Yeah. I think he can go top 10. Yeah, same. Hmm. But interesting. And probably got to give a shout out to Jose Boutron. I thought you were going to give a shout out to Anton Gull. He had a bad weekend. No, he didn't have a bad weekend. He had a great Saturday. He had a bad sa- Sunday. <laughs> yeah, he had a yeah, great, great Saturday, bad Sunday. But um, we should give a shout out to Boutron. Finished both races in the points, and in race two picked up, uh, I don't know if it was most points for the year. but Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. 17, four points. Yes, yeah, we should give him, you know, give, you know, well done. That just kind of, okay, what a nice guy you are. I know, just, well. That just know. kind of shows how expectations are changing when we're saying well done to Boutron for getting four points. Yeah. But anyway, Anton Goal, just 10th on Saturday, just looked so good. And I jumped on that bandwagon, put oh, my MX manager team. There was a few people. Very angry with us. I was all about that. I I thought, I, I thought he was a great shout for, for it, you know, that was a great performance. Yeah, I, was, I was expecting more of the same. He just crashed and he tipped over a few times. Yeah, I don't was, know whether he was a little bit ill. Um, I, think he, I think he mentioned uh, uh, that he's, he had a bit of a cold um, Sunday. So I didn't know whether you'd been speaking to him and he's got the cold from you. Don't start spreading stuff. Uh, okay. I just heard there was a couple of riders with colds and it just happened to coincide with people you spoke to. Ah, funny guy. Funny guy. <laughs> right. Um, on that note, 
Uh, I think we're done with MXGP. We're done with MXGP and let's have a little break. The MX5 How's the cold? Great. Week three. Yeah. Uh, feeling good? Yeah, great. I'm not over it at all. i got to be honest. I'm looking forward to this break. Go on set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very emotional about this break. I know you're very emotional. How are you going to cope? Because I know what you're like. The first week is, is a bit like cold turkey. And then the second week, you just become unbearable. So how are you going to cope with this four-week break? I'm not going to. I, I can't do it. I need races every weekend. Have you got any measures in place? No. Other than just cry okay. a lot. I'm right. Okay. I think 32 days until Mantova. <laughs> what really is that? Oh, God. 32 days until race day at Mantova. 29 days until we get on a plane. Okay. Excited. 29 days to go. <laughs> you would do a GP every weekend. I would. 100%. It? it would kill me, but I would do it. Yeah. I would. Oh, sign me up. 
What? There's a Supercross in Denver this weekend. Where do you go? Can I? Yeah. Can I? Yeah, there's also a Dutch Masters. Maybe you should look in Dutch Masters. Can I go to Denver? No. But you just said... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was joking. I looked at the budget and no. Just me though. No, you can go to Dutch Masters. Vegas? Dutch Masters. No, Dutch Masters. That's an off weekend. And it's my birthday. What riders have we got in Dutch Masters this week? Oh, I don't know. Have you not looked at it? Can we talk about MX2? Well, if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Um, did we expect anything else other than a Prado win? No, not at all. How do we spice this up? The same old story. Is he winning the championship yet? Leading the championship? No, he's not. It's 20 points down. That's exciting because I don't know what way that's going to go. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> um, did you speak to him the weekend? No. I actually didn't see him once, which is weird because usually I at least see him. But... He is with his girlfriend a lot. I didn't, just didn't see him. Do you think she does his social media? No, he's got a guy for that, I think. Okay. I've seen him in press room. Ah, cool. Okay. But yeah, Prado is just unbelievable. Just on another level. Literally, his starts definitely don't hurt because obviously he's in a position to succeed. What do you say? Fastest, in each, fastest lap in each moto, whole shot each moto, one each moto. So Still so- only two weeks removed from missing a GP because of a hematoma under his left shoulder. So brace. scenario, Prado goes down in the first turn. He um, gets up. He's, let's just say, a minute down on first. A minute? A minute. Wow. It's a, bit, it's a bad crash. Okay, sounds it. Okay. Does he come back and win? No, a minute. You realize what a minute is. But there were certain points in that race, which I watched, where he was three seconds a lap quicker. He literally stretched out an 11-second lead within about four laps. I don't know how to, like, break this to you, but three seconds a lap faster... A, probably won't get a job done. B, he won't be able to do that on every single lap. And C, he'll have to come through traffic, which will slow him down. You know how many seconds are in a minute, don't you? Yes. That's okay. I'm just checking because your maths. Yes, but all my points stand, no matter, even if I didn't know. Okay. Well, let's not hope that happens, but it would spice things up. But... I would like to see him come through the field or start 10th or something, just to see what... Um, no doubt he'd win, but I'd just like to see what would happen. Yeah, me too. Maybe uh, he could make it a bit fairer, like... Um, Maybe he puts his gloves on the start straight and runs to get his gloves and then gets on the bike and go. You made that joke on the very first podcast and someone found it funny. So I feel like you're just saying it again now just to get another cheap laugh. No, not at all. I'm you're just... like that tired old comedian up on stage who's like reading the same joke book from five years ago. because Wow, had a shocker. <laughs> We're at in and you've just become a... <laughs> again. <laughs> right. Okay. So do, we, do we want to talk any more about it? Um, because what's oh. funny is... This whole Prado missing around thing was meant to put excitement into MX2, as in excitement about the championship. It's not exciting. Because we're everyone, like, who knows what's going to happen now? He's going to have a lot of points to make up. I know what's going to happen. Every single person in the pits basically is just wait, like watching the clock like, is it time for him to take the red plate yet? Because at this rate, he will take the red plate. Actually, I won't say that because we've got a question about that in Ask Vice Anything. But yeah, whatever. Prado's the best. Prado will continue to win. Prado will have a red plate soon enough. And yeah, I don't know what's going to stop him. I know it's bad. Interestingly though, what, what's bad? The only thing I'm looking forward to is him winning a championship and going to, to MXGP. Okay. Interestingly, I did feel like he slowed down a little bit towards the end of each motos. And I was wondering if it was a bit of tiredness. Because no. obviously, not saying because he's unfit, but because he did miss two and a half weeks after Argentina. Saying that though, Gertz did pull back that time. I did wonder... Because it was a bit, I did, but I just wondered, just mm-hmm. wondered. Yeah, because, still, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's no, 
he's... I mean, he'll be back to 100% at the end of this five-week break, so who cares? But just something that I noticed and I was going to ask him, but I didn't I, see him. I've got to be honest, I'm I'm shocked at how good he is. I, when I seen him in the MX-125 and even the MX-250, I didn't expect to see what... what you know, I didn't expect him to develop into to, to where he is now. It's scary. He is Hurling's level as far as dominance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... You know, it's not great news for other riders, but he's here for the next 10 years winning championships. Bold, bold thing to say. If he had won, if he was at Matterley, he would have gone 1-1, presumably. I think we could have maybe started discussions about whether a perfect season would happen. Yeah, that's, that wouldn't be a shocker. Purely because of his starts, mainly, because when you talk about that, usually the caveat is like, oh, but anything can happen in the first turn. Well, when you're in front in the first turn, not much happens other than you just ride through there. Smooth as a smooth thing. I just want to point out, actually, uh, last week's predictions. I did get two out of three. <laughs> Amazing that you think that, because on Saturday night in the qualifying podcast, I correctly predicted the top five overall in MX2. Really? For, yeah. I said in the Saturday qualifying well, you podcast, had I said and Watson second I said, and third. Well, Watson finished fourth overall. Thanks for turning up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was on about my predictions. I, I had Gertz and, and Watson. I had, Saturday night, I said, Prado first overall, Gert second overall, Bial third overall, Watson fourth overall, Olsen fifth overall. Absolutely bang on. Absolutely bang on. Literally quite impressed. Yeah. Also, in that podcast, I predicted that Geyser would win the first moto and that Caroli would win the second. Had Caroli not fallen, I could be looking like a bloody genius. Yeah, but he wasn't because I got that right. Still, I was close to having like across the board every single prediction being right. So, yeah. So we're one each. Uh, I feel like you predicting that Geyser would win and me predicting the top five overall in MX2 at different levels. You can't start making rules up after something's finished. That's like you winning five pound in the lottery, me winning a million, and then you coming up to me and being like, we're just one in the same, aren't we? <laughs> well, we are. We're still one. <laughs> you come up to wrong me. With you. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah, Prado, great yep. work. Yeah, but let's talk about Gertz because... He looked good. I think he's my rider of the season. Really? In either class. And it's interesting because um, we saw this speed a little bit in Argentina and Matali, but he was just crashing nonstop. And I, now it almost seems like he had this speed there, but it was just him working through the kinks and getting used to running that pace consistently. And I even asked him that after the race. First time I've ever interviewed him, by the way. And he said the same. He felt like that was just him kind of finding his feet and now he's kind of cracked what he needs to do to be a consistent podium guy. And you can't take anything away from him because he was on the podium in the sand of Volkenswald and on the podium on the slick hard pack of Trentino. So yeah, that's kind of all you need to do to prove that you're a guy. Yeah, well, back-to-back podiums is going to make him feel a bit more confident and, you know, and, and also at the end of that moto, chasing down Prado. Similar to the charge that he did in the second race last week. He's got everything. He's got fitness, he's got endurance, he's got speed. I'm quite interested to see how this goes and how this progresses. Because he's reached second overall, that's a career best. The golf from him to first is obviously going to be the hardest jump to make. But that's obviously got, what, got to be what he's looking at now. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, he came up, did he come through the KTM program? Not, and then switched I to I don't Yamaha. think he was as deep in the KTM program. No, he wasn't as deep in the KTM program as someone like Prado. He was on a Sakar KTM, which isn't basically a satellite team with no... It's not like he was being groomed like Prado. But he did win the 125, didn't he? Yeah, but on a Sakar KTM. 
Okay. I don't think he won the one two fives. I thought he did win the one two five. Did he win the one two five? I'm pretty sure he won the one two five. I can't remember to be honest. But he was on a sack our KTM. You talk, I'll check. No, I'll check because you'll muck it up, won't you? Well, I've only got the drop down menus. It's not that bad. Yeah, but yeah. So, this is one of those rare, rare occasions <laughs> where Gertz did win the 125 championship in 2016. Yeah. You got that right. You got something right. Thanks. I wish we had like sound drops where I could do like crowds, like cheering and applauding and singing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have got to pull it out there that I did make a faux pas. This week. This week? Yeah, yeah, this week. What I, did you do this week? I interviewed Diego Clement. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is real I bad. wasn't even going to bring this up and throw no, you under the bus. Fuck me. The, the, the bus is big. The bus is big, fast and I can't believe out of control. He was out of my... He, uh, when he did this, I couldn't get reins on him because he was out of my eyesight and earsight and everything. Yeah. I don't so know I couldn't, why. I, I couldn't control him. He was running yeah. free. And Yeah. To be, a, to be fair, Diego was nice about it. But you'll hear all about it anyway in the podcast, what we've got coming up. Yeah, it's not this week, though. Not this week. It's going to be next week. Like, can we not tell everyone what you did bad? Because they're not going to hear about it because you're cutting it out. No, we're not cutting it out. I think we should cut it out. Should we cut it out? Yeah. But if we cut it out, then we've really told people then. Yeah, but it's fine. But it just doesn't belong in the interview, does it? Because it's not actually correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very correct at all. Do you want to tell everyone? You, well, I think it, I was thinking about this, actually, about why the hell I got to this assumption. And it was because he was on KTM. Who? Jonas. Paul's? Yeah. Yeah. And he came through the KTM program. Do you not read MX Vice at all? No, nah, not really. That was your thoughts, but I actually interviewed Jonas like five times in last year, towards the end of last year, and said, Why are you making this switch? Why are you making this switch? And at no point did he mention your theory, which we still haven't told people. So, do you want to tell people? Because people don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Right, brace yourself. I'm going to try not to laugh because we're being nice to each other this week. Okay. Yeah. If you could, that'd be great because. This is a bit like coming out for the first time. So I'm, gonna, say, I'm so I'm finding it so hard not to laugh. Okay, right. get it over I I don't know how I got it in my head that Paul's Jonas was related <laughs> to Robert Jonas. Who's far enough? And the Jonases are spelt differently. Fuck <laughs> off. Paul's Jonas has two S's and Robert Jonas has one. I don't know what happened. And James, so confident in this, decided to ask Diego that question about how are they related. Yeah, to be fair, Diego was a true professional and only just led on the floor for about 10 minutes laughing and then got up and carried on the podcast. So, Did he say like, it's okay, little buddy, we all make mistakes? Yeah, he did <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was not a good day, I've got to be honest. This is it's why... Not, I'm not proud of myself. This is why we just have to keep you like in a cage at GPs and not let you out to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, well, funny enough, um, what I, as I was walking along the pit uh, area with my green coat on, my green trousers and my green boots, what was it that Tommy Sorrell described me as? A gnome. A gnome, yeah. He wasn't far off, to be fair. No, so last week he called me the Geico lizard because of he my actually, hair. Yeah, he actually thinks James looks like the Geico lizard. And then this week he said I'm a fucking gnome. So, not, I mean... Not, to be honest, getting that as a fuck up, it, it doesn't really make any difference. Gnomes are quite popular. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. There's Where like the a, hell... Oh, Gertz. Yeah, Gertz. This was yeah, a tangent, let's wasn't it? Yeah. I can't even... We're so far... We're so far off of Gertz right now, <laughs> I don't know how we get back. Right, so we're saying that uh, Gertz was on the KTM... This is what surprised me. Gertz was on the KTM program, and he's kind of slipped through their fingers. Yes, but he wasn't on, on, on the KTM But he's on the KTM. Yes. So surely somebody at KTM... But it's not like they had him. No, 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 but he was on one of their satellite teams. I would say Sakar KTM is a stretch to be in one of their satellite teams. Okay. I would say it's just a team that rode a KTM. 
I, I'm just, I'd love to ask somebody at KTM, like, you know, what, you know, what was the reason? Like, was it just because they were full? All the rides were full and, and Yamaha came in and, and, but kudos to Yamaha. I mean, Yamaha they, they, signed him quite early in the 2017 season as well. It was an early deal. Okay. So that probably helped. But yeah, he but is turning, What a great signing. He is blossoming quite yeah. a, quite a bit. So yeah, I, he is my uh, most, uh, what would you call it? Most, the rider I'm most excited about through four rounds. Yeah, definitely. And he's still young, hey? Yeah. I don't know his age because I don't... No, you're not very good with no. ages, but it's fine. Uh, we all have our weaknesses. This is his second year in MX2. That's all you need to know. Okay, That's brilliant. the facts at work. Uh, Tom Vial, uh, this guy is just seriously impressed me. And I learned a lot about Tom Vial this week and how he ended up uh, getting the KTM deal. And that is going to be revealed in the interview with Diego as well. I really hope. I haven't heard this interview, but it's going to make me laugh because you're so big on this. Like you think you feel like you've got a scoop here, and I don't know what a scoop is. It's not a scoop. Oh. It's just an interesting like story behind how he became on the KTM program. Because I've obviously done it. Like, you obviously don't read MX Vice, but I've done interviews with KTM about how Tom Vial got on the program. Yeah, but so it's I'm not... interested to see if you got anything further than that. Oh, of course I did. Okay, because like where you just like touch the stone, I go deeply under. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, all those times I go missing, and also you told Tommy Sorrell that all I do... No, sorry, you told Steve Dixon that all I do is walk around the pits drinking coffee. That was a joke. That they took it very seriously. You said on They hid their coffee machine. You said on Twitter that I need to get better at time management. Yeah, okay, touche. When you were in bed at 3am on a Sunday morning and I was still driving, uh, driving the old work train, slaving away at my laptop. You were watching porn. I was uploading podcasts. Yeah. And something else. These people need them for when they drive to work on Monday morning. Yeah, right. Let's, can we crack on with MX2? I've got, I got things thing is, to do. The funny thing is, I don't really have much to say about Tom Vial because him finishing on the podium is just normal now. That doesn't shock me in the slightest. I just consider it a normal thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, brilliant. Another podium. Yeah, he was, he was good. What is interesting, though, is at the start of the season, had you told anyone that through four rounds, he would have two podiums, the same amount of skirts, one less than Olsen, more than Vlandering, more than Watson, more, uh, more than Jacoby, insert name here. That is what kind of lays it out and makes it sound more impressive what he's doing. Where is he in the championship at the moment? Uh, I believe he's third. Wow. No, he's sixth. Balkansvard was bad. We got about Balkansvard. Okay. Jacoby is third. Okay. Watson is fourth. Gertz is fifth. Yeah, I was sixth. So I know you're excited. And I know that you've worked hard, very hard, to, um, to you know, get some time with him because he usually goes early after a GP. But talk us through Ben Watson because I know you were very excited about him the weekend. Very excited. The thing is, whereas you look at results, this is, what, this is where you... Cause you always, Fucking results are results. No, but you claim that I always get these random riders and I like think that I see something out of nowhere. But whereas you just look at finishing positions, I'm actually watching like times each lap and everything. You're only as good as your last race. So I see... Well, that works in this case as well. I see like sector times. I see lap times and I compare them all and I do all this fun stuff. Yeah. Great time. It's great. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, whilst, whilst everybody else is out having a drink, having a meal, so like, hanging out with friends. What are you doing? Comparing sector times. Yeah. So I see things yeah. that make me be, go beyond results and make me see, like, say that someone is better than the result they got. Yeah. 
So then obviously everyone calls me crazy because everyone like yourself goes off results. Yeah. But I see things. Yeah. Anyway, so the second moto in uh, Trentino. Yeah. Watson was the fastest rider on track. Nine laps? Uh, six, seven, eight, nine. I think it was nine, you said. Yeah. I think it was nine, but I need to check, obviously. It was in that realm. Yeah. He was the fastest guy on track for around that time. Yeah. Which is bloody impressive. Very. Because Olsen never managed that. Vial never managed that. Gertz didn't even manage that. So that's all I'm saying, is I think that is worth shouting about because that's something that people, most people probably didn't even notice. I think he was 17th. He came through from 17th to 3rd in that second race. Which is, I th- again, maybe people didn't notice that. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm obviously out there looking for stories. That's a story that I picked up from being at the race. Whereas other people obviously didn't realise. So anyway, I think he was that good at Trentino last year as well, which is weird. But um, yeah, that second race was really good. So what did he say in his interview? It was really good, actually. Okay. I advise everyone to go and read it and listen to it on mxvice.com. Okay. Uh, it was a long interview. Okay. Is there any, any things, any kind of what he said jumped out at you? He's happy with his intensity now. That's something he was working on quite a bit and including in the week up to Trentino. So that's good. So he's specifically looking at putting fast laps in straight out of the game. Yeah, but that's done. That's, he's happy with that now. Okay. Because he went from like 17th to 8th on the first lap of Moto2. Right. So he's pleased with that. Starts, though, are still the issue and something that he's going to be working on. Again, I kind of put myself out there with an observation that I had. I don't like doing that because there's always a chance I'm going to be wrong. But when watching the start, I always feel like his initial jump out of the gate off of the uh, grate is good. Because every time I'm like, oh, he's going to get the whole shot. And then the second I get off the grate, it looks like he just gets swallowed up. And mm-hmm. he said that is actually the issue. It's the first couple of seconds on dirt that they need to work on rather than getting off the grate. Who I don't know how they do that, but that's basically what they're going to be working on. So it's not necessarily reaction time or... Distraction. Whereas, whereas most people struggle about getting off the grate, he's actually looking slightly beyond that. Okay. On average, I feel like basically at the end of the first lap, all year he's been night. That's just where he seems to start at the end of the first lap. So obviously there is work to be done there. But yeah, I just thought that Sekimoto really stood out, especially compared to who he was um, battling with. Like Olsen, I think he was three and a half seconds down on Olsen with two laps to go and uh, caught that. That's one thing, closing that down. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I've, I've already told you this. Um, closing that down is one thing, but making a pass round there is another thing. Yeah. So I was impressed that he pulled that pin, got it done in three and a half seconds and made the pass immediately. Yeah. With and- quite an aggressive pass too, which we don't really normally see out of him too much. No. So yeah. I was just interested and it was kind of, a, I thought it was a bit that of a was on the That was on the wall, wasn't it? And then jump bang. Is that where he took him? No. Okay, where did he take him? Like the far, 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 far corner where the new wave section was. Okay, yeah. In the corner after that, he like set him up then ran round the outside of him round that kind of right-hand sweeper which yeah. then put him on the inside for the following left. Okay. But people who watched the TV, <laughs> people who watched the race on TV who weren't even in Italy know that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just thought it was a bit of a breakthrough ride and I wouldn't be surprised to see this lead to now bigger things. One actually really interesting thing that stood out in the interview is he feels like he made a bigger gain from 2018 to 2019, so the off-season just gone, compared to 2017 to 2018, yeah. which is mental. Because think about where he was with Hitachi KTM and then where he was in Argentina last year. That was a huge jump. But he actually feels like he made more progress in the winter just gone. Which is like that. I don't think anyone would have expected him to say that. No. So yeah, just I felt like it was a bit of a breakthrough. Just good insights. Did you get excited? Good things. I feel like there's probably a. Well, we're kind of back to. Um, good things coming. We're probably back to um, 20, 
18, really, because he was 4 5 rule and one point off the podium. But I feel like he'll be uh, in that mix soon enough. Just interested to see what he does when he gets a good start. Okay. I don't know when that's going to happen, though. But that is the focus. Do you have any insights to Olsen? Because Olsen didn't look... He didn't really, from the very first practice, didn't really do much. He was there or thereabouts. It was never like he was way off, but he was just quiet. But to go from, obviously, the don- dominant performance in Matterley... But- that was Prado out, so he wasn't going to be dominant at Trentino. No, no, I know that, but, uh, you know, coming into this and, and putting the pressure on Prado, we still expected him to, to be, you know, second. Is that a fair assumption? No, I don't expect him to be second every single week. Every single week you expect him to be second? Yeah, I think who's firing to see him as a, you know, he's well, there you, to win so, races. So you look at the MX2 class as Prado, number one, big number one, Olsen, big number two, and then the rest of them battling for third. No, not That's basically what you just said, because you expect him to be second every single week. I don't. Okay, so what do you expect him to be? I just expect him to be in this second group. Okay. So I expect him to be second some weeks. I'm sorry. But also, seeing him get beaten by Gertz, Vial, Watson, Vlander, and Jacoby isn't surprising to me either. Okay. I think he's one of those guys. I don't see him as being superior. Like, I don't see him to be... I don't see there as being a no-man's land between Prado and the rest where Olsen is just fighting for survival. I just see him as one of those other guys. Yeah, he'll be second a lot, but also him finishing fifth and getting beaten by those riders doesn't surprise me either. Okay. Okay. Well, it was, a, it was his worst weekend of the year, first time he's fallen off the podium, so yeah. Not, but he fell off the podium by one point. So it's no, nothing to yes, panic about. But, no, obviously not. But I'm looking at as far as, I'm not looking at overall podium. He was on the moto podium in every single moto through the first six rounds, first six motos. Okay. And then went 5-5, five, five, I think. Five five four what, five. What this weekend? Yeah, no. four five. No, three five. No, I think five. it was six five. Oh, I thought you actually had it out in front of you, and that's why you were questioning me. No, I haven't got it out in front of me. That'd be rude. Oh, five four. Yeah, like I said. So that obviously, if you compare that, that's quite far from the podium. Even though the maths worked out to him being one point off. Okay. So, yeah. I feel like one. I feel like that little segment there is similar to the guys and Crowley talking at the beginning, where I just went. And yeah, you, just were uh, to what, get, can, you were just trying what, to catch up. What can I say? Just anything I say is going to be wrong. So I'm just going to move on towards uh, Henry Jacoby. Well, no, I was just asking your opinion because you said but you, you didn't expect like him my to be opinion. second. You didn't might like my opinion. That's what having an opinion you is. Beat, you beat me down. <laughs> no, because I questioned your opinion, and as soon as I did that, you realised that you were wrong. I didn't realise I was wrong. <laughs> well, because I'm said sure he ex- expected. I'm sure who's far expected. I'm sure other people expected for him to be challenging this year. No, but yes, but you said you expect him to be second every week. Those were your words. Yeah. So I then questioned that, saying, "So you expect him to consistently be?" Watson, Prado, uh, Watson, uh, Watson, Vial, Gertz, Vlander, and Jacoby, and you said no, therefore backtracking on your opinion. But actually, I'll say yes. <laughs> See, so you say that I don't like your opinion. You don't like your opinion because you don't. <laughs> you don't even like your opinion because you don't even know where you stand on it. Right, Jacoby. Jacoby. Yeah. Jacoby was one point off the podium. He was one point. No, I think he tied for the podium. No, he he was on the thirty-four points with no. Olsen I'm talking about and this Evans. weekend, but. Oh. Like, Argentina, he tied for the podium. Mm-hmm. Vulcan Swad, I believe he was one point off. Matterley, he was actually on the podium. So, he, as I said last week, four rounds in, he could have so, so, so easily been on the podium every single week. Do you know what? If you take Prado out of MX2... It's bloody amazing. Yeah. It's bloody amazing. Yeah. Because I think every week you'd have a different winner. Oh, yeah. Well, do you? Because you've just said that you think Olsen's a step above everyone else. But now I retracted that. <laughs> 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 wow. 
Yeah, that's how I see. Yeah, I I'm see so it confused. as there would be a. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, <laughs> you thought you were coming on this nice podcast where you said your opinion and that was it. Yeah. You didn't expect to be made to think about your opinions. No. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've literally just left you like... I'm just glad there's a break. I just feel like you. I've left you curled feel, up in a ball on the side I, of the room just wondering what is real. After being to four different countries with you, four GP weekends, I feel mentally tired. Because you come out with something like this, like, oh. I, I don't even. I, I can't even think straight. <laughs> I say the wrong things. It just because no, you no, just wear me to, down. No, I need to get this. I need to get this straight. Your opinion wasn't wrong. It was your opinion. I was merely being this, being a talking show, talking show, discussion no, just show. Bu- you're a bully. I expect. I wanted you to expand on your opinion because I was interested why you feel that way. Okay. But you immediately caved. <laughs> you literally caved within. Seconds. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't want to talk to you anymore. You caved like a cheap pile of Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got one analogy right. Mitchell Evans. <laughs> I just, I I'm moving like, on. I'm moving okay, on. You know what? You say your bit on Mitchell Evans, and I won't even question anything you say. Just say you how you feel on Mitchell Evans, and then I'll say how I feel, and we won't... <laughs> it'll be like we're on two separate shows, and I won't try and talk to you about your opinion. Okay, did you interview Mitchell Evans? No. Okay, so do you, did you hear Saturday's podcast? I was, on, I was on Saturday's podcast. I know you were on it, but did you hear it? What? <laughs> so you make it so difficult because no. I feel like after asking if I heard Saturday's podcast, you then remembered that I was actually on it. No, no, I know that you okay. were there, yes, but I'm just, did you, you take saying. it in? So basically, yes. he's been really banged up, like very banged up. So yes. he, he's, he's you know suffering a couple of injuries, had another big crash running up to Trentino. So I think basically seventh overall uh, the weekend was a good result. I agree. Yeah. That's all I was going to say. Given what we know about it, if we, if we looked at these results and just said seventh overall, podium <laughs> in Argentina, we, we did expect more. But we know that he's, you know, he's from Australia. He's, he's staying in the south of France. There's not that many, I'm guessing, English-speaking people around. Uh, I know he's got his mum over here at the moment. Um, Kelly and I think his dad's going to be coming over and they're, they're swapping out because his brother races back in uh, Australia he's got a lot of things up against him and then obviously he's a little bit banged up as well so so kind of talking to him and, and kind of uh, understanding what he's going through and stuff like that I think he's he's putting in some great results and he's another guy who's just going to get better good insight James thanks for that no problem at least I've done one thing the weekend I really appreciated your opinion yeah uh, yeah I was um I uh, <laughs> I um I was surprised not surprised I was impressed that he got the train back on the tracks yeah because it was trending downhill quite quickly so for him to actually get back and have another solid GP his first since Argentina with no issues was impressive and equally impressive was how far he came from qualifying on Saturday because he was twenty fourth and he he put that down to it being his first time at Pietro Murata so yeah for him to make those that much gains many games in a one night and come out and be solid like that I think it just reminded everyone what he can do yeah um, one person who we've been saying is <clears throat> you know has had a few sort of had to stop crashing and he did do that the weekend and that's Adam Starry I think crashes have been his issue, problem this year though have they I wouldn't say I so I think it's like little mistakes and bits and pieces little mistakes it? but yeah. not as bad as last year I'd say no. he's already improved on those little mistakes absolutely something that we know Daruva worked with him on in the winter yeah absolutely but what he's done is um, he's put in a consistent ride this weekend. Yeah, I think he still expects more. I'm sure he expects but more. But he was right on that bubble when, like, although he went 8-8, that could have, with, like, a little bit more, that could have easily been 
by five. Yeah. Because he was with that group. He just didn't he go forward. with that group yeah. consistently. Yeah. And he started behind him each time. So he'd kind of get to that point and then wouldn't be able to go much further forward. But no. similar to Watson and even Vlandering when he's healthy, give him a start. I don't know if he's going to win, but I'd be interested. I'd just be interested to see how much that helps him along. Yeah. But again, it's, it's, it's good to see that consistency. It's good to see yeah. him finish both motos and, and, and be consistent. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we both agree. There we go. It's only taken, what, an hour and a half, Rob, and we both agreed on something. We just agreed on Mitchell Evans. I, I thanked you for your insight. That's only because you had nothing to offer. No, I just then said my bit about Mitchell okay. Evans. I was trying to be nice to you after your Olsen incident, where you just absolutely caved. And my Jonas incident. Yeah, but that was that was a completely different thing. Okay. Also, you just basically had a mental breakdown <laughs> and decided that everything you were saying was wrong, even though you weren't saying anything wrong. <laughs> One rider who uh, I thought done really well a weekend, the results didn't show it, was Lauren Arica. Oh, I thought you were going to say Vassen. Well, Vassen was great. Do you I want mean, to give me credit? Uh, what, for Vassen? For saying that he can be quite good. What, Lauren Arica? No, Vassen. Uh, no, because we're talking about Lauren Arica. Oh. Yeah, no, we'll go to Vass in a minute and, and you can talk about that. But I don't want to talk about it, I just want to give credit. Okay, I'm just saying that um, we've not seen Laranaga, have we, this year? No, we haven't. Actually, we did see him in Argentina, but he broke his collarbone. Yeah. But we haven't seen him at a full GP, no. No, so coming back this weekend, uh, he, I think he's running fourth, wasn't he? Was it, I don't know if it's a qualifying race yeah, or race no, one. No, I think it was race one. Yeah. Or was it a qualifying race? Either way, he was there for a long time. And yeah. as I said on the uh, Saturday podcast, he double dislocated his shoulder, double dis- he had double shoulder dislocation on uh, last year at the GP of Indonesia, uh, Pankal Panang. And uh, that obviously set him back quite a way. But before then, he was starting to show something. Mm-hmm. Like, not in that Jacoby Olsen, Watson, Vial, Gertz group. Yeah. But he was showing that he was kind of a real contender and coming along. So, obviously, the double shoulder dislocation meant he was out of sight and out of mind for quite a while. People forgot about him. Then this collarbone injury didn't help. But I feel like he can be quite good when he gets back to full fitness. And that will surprise people because I feel like people have forgotten the levels that he was reaching yeah. before his double shoulder dislocation. And he's been kind of riding consistently against Sterry and Jacoby. They're all the same age. They've all come up through together. So interestingly, all three of those riders are all up for MXGP next year. So he, really the time is ticking for him to put in these rides to be seen by a potential MXGP team. Bit of a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, if, if these guys don't get MXGP rides, then they're going to end up in the two-stroke series. Wow. I mean, there's also other series available. Like what? Well, national championships. Yeah, we're not talking about world. Yeah, or, but I Or think... European. I'm just saying that. If he, if he... <laughs> I just feel like that was a bold claim to make. Like, wow. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, if, if he's not going to get, an, if he doesn't get an MXGP ride from, from putting in these performances this year, then where else do you go? He was born on the 5th of December, 1996. So what does that make him now? 22. Does it? Yeah, coming up to 23, yeah. Oh, it is up then. Yeah. Remember, maths isn't your strong point. No, I know. No, I was just wondering, because obviously it works in the way that, like, Fevre was born on uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. In whatever year. Yeah. So when he had to go up to 450s in 2015, had he been born a day later, he could have stayed down for another year. And actually, ra- completely random insight, but I had heard that he actually tried arguing that fact yeah. and saying, like, come on, I'm literally hours away from having been, having been eligible for another year. Can we just figure this out? And obviously, he didn't get very far. Well, no, rules are rules. Yeah. So he had to go up and ended up winning a world title. So yeah. had he had his way and stayed down for another year, who knows? He never would have been world champion. No. 
funny how life works, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Look at you now. Look at me now. Yeah, funny how life works. <laughs> That's nothing to do with me. I'm we're just, just talking about Fevra. I know, but we're just talking about how, you know, look okay. at you now. MX Vice editor. Okay. Not sure how I come into this, but fair enough. No, it's funny how life works. So, yeah, let's talk about him. Who? Hassan. Okay, I don't have much to say. I just want, I just, I've always believed this is coming and that he can be a t- consistent top 10 guy. Just thought you might acknowledge the fact that I was right. Brilliant. Yep, you're right. Yep. Solid weekend. Same as Servalin. Chervelin. I believe that's yep. pronounced. So, solid weekend. Vandonic. Solid weekend. Still riding without a torn ACL. Still hasn't healed. Shocker. Yep. That's not going to Must help. not be a plaster. Must just not do the job on that one. Hot bath. Yeah, maybe maybe you should try taking some paracetamol. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's actually I'm actually impressed with how well he's doing. Yeah, because uh, he looked good as well the weekend. There were a few flashes where he was running up front and didn't look out of place. I mean, he's been on the podium before, so I guess that isn't surprising. But considering how the last year and a half's gone for him, the fact that he's riding with, with a torn ACL, that's uh, I'm impressed. Well, um, before we go any further, we should probably mention Darian because. Again, there was glimpses of the speed. Oh, I'm actually, after Trentino, I'm actually quite sad about Dario because he could have been so good had he been healthy. He could have been so good. Yeah. Like, seriously. He would be another guy in that Gertz, Vial, Watson, Blander, and Olsen pack. Yeah. And like, add another guy in there and just, like, it's already amazing. Yeah. Like, it's just, ah, oh, gutted. And, and it was, I think uh, when we spoke to him after, he kind of, when he crashed in the first corner, he literally got up. And he kind of patted himself down to make sure everything was uh, still in one piece. Yeah, he said that was why he went, because he was like a lap and a half down, and he still went back out on track. He said that was why, just to make sure that he was feeling okay and nothing was broken. Yeah. And see, everything was fine. Yeah, and it was probably a good thing because uh, it stopped him from uh, being as beat up as he, as he was because he got himself moving again. He had literally gone back to the camper after that, and he'd have been really stiff. And he just needs bike time at this point. I'm mm-hmm. sure that played into it as well, because obviously he's lacking that in a big way, and... Any way that he can yeah. uh, build his bike fitness is. He's, he said the so, virus is still kicking his ass as well. Yeah, I like. Obviously, he's going to make gains in his five weeks. There's no way he'll be 100% for Mantua. I think it is. I think we are looking at like the beginning of July when maybe we can start talking about him being near to his best, which sucks because he's got to go up at the end of this year. But yeah, what can you do? So, another rider who you spoke to the weekend. Um, who didn't have a very good weekend again, but he definitely gave us some insights, which was Conrad Mies. Oh, I wondered where you were going with that. Uh, yes. Con- so tell us about Conrad. Well, he was on our show a couple of weeks ago. I'll it was get, I'll all get looking this... good. Looking forward to Valkan's Vard. I'll tell you what, rather than me trying to paraphrase what he said, I'll find the interview and read him word for word, just to make sure there's no confusion and anything like that. Yeah. So if that. you could just... Uh, Hold the mic for a little bit while I pull that up. Okay, well, literally hold it. Or well, I'll just say something. You want me to talk? Yep, talk okay. about something. Um, have you decided why what you, you, why you... Okay, this isn't going to work if you ask me questions because that isn't you holding the mic. That's you trying to distract <laughs> me from my job. So how, <laughs> I know, but that's fun. I was going to ask you what you're you? doing with your hair at the moment. But how about you just talk about what you thought of Muse's ride and how his season's going while I look at this? Well, I don't want to take words out of your mouth because I kind of know. Because you're just going to steal what he said in my interview. <laughs> but just talk about... The speedy show and stuff like uh, time practice, uh, f- warm up. He was first, uh, free practice. He was third. Time practice. He was eighth. Good stuff. Speed's there. Expand on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the speed is there. Um, that's great. And we're just waiting for Lewis to find out exactly what he said. Okay, so he said, uh, in his words, reading this word for word, it's been a very tough weekend for us. Obviously, following on from Vulcan's where we didn't score any points, 
We managed to score four this weekend, but still nowhere near where we want to be. We're just struggling a lot recently. It's nothing to do with speed and with fitness. Everything is there, as you can see in the practice sessions and things like that, as we just said. I never once left the top five. We're just really struggling at the minute mentally to try and put it together in the races. That's one thing which is very, very difficult to work on. We haven't quite figured it out yet, which is the reason why we're in the position we're in. But at the moment we can but the moment we oh, but the moment we can get this figured out, then I feel like we'll be away then because everything else is there. That's just the last piece of the puzzle that we need to put together. Two seconds, there's another interesting quote. I think this is the quote uh, which uh, I maybe, do find interesting. Maybe I'll automatically run that page. Oh, because I said, like, I'm no, psycho- I'm no uh, psychologist, but maybe I can offer some, maybe this is, I've got a theory oh, like, no. from talking to him. I just said, maybe oh, I'm, no. I'm no, <laughs> I just said, I'm no psychologist. This is dangerous. I just said, I'm no psychologist, but do you think that maybe this has something to do with your practice times being so good that you're getting on the line and thinking, I can do this. I'm fast enough to win. I can do this. This is my time. And then that's kind of working against you because you're putting too much pressure on your shoulders, which he agreed with, but it could be a part of a problem. But uh, what he said, actually, I think uh, that was what he said. He put, if I do get out of the gate in one race, then yeah, who knows what will happen. Maybe I'll automatically run that pace and I may stay at the front. He said, I may stay at the front. I think he does. He's fast enough. We've seen that. Yeah. Just my two, ten- my two cents. Yeah. But at the, mi- at the minute, we haven't yet found that out. I'm trying to work from the back. If I'm being truthfully honest, the starts aren't one of my favorite parts of the race. I'm, I'm either kind of in the top three or I'm free from the back, which is true. We've seen that. Uh, that's something that we're massively struggling on. It's not something to do with my start technique or bike or anything. Everything's good. So that's one more thing. And then uh, another thing that stands out in my mind, uh, he put, he said, it's literally just a lack of confidence that I'm having at the minute. Like I said, we're going to try and sort this out because this is almost ruining my career a little bit. This is a big setback for me. But we're just going to keep fighting and we're just going to keep our heart, trying our hardest each weekend. Like I said, Saturdays we have got dialed in and the practice sessions we've got dialed in. Literally, all I need to focus on is getting to that second turn in a good position and then we'll be away. Now, back to me, rather than talking, saying his words. Yeah. I do believe, I do believe in general. Yeah. There's no way that with his practice times being as good as they are and they are phenomenal. Phenomenal? <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal <laughs> they are phenomenal Jesus it's because I was getting ready to go on a little yeah, get on you, my soapbox yeah you go his practice times are phenomenal yep. they are no, other, no two ways about it he has Prado speed in practice no yep. matter the surface as well yeah because we can't forget Vulcan Suard I forget if it was free practice or time practice but he held the top spot got knocked off the top spot by Prado went again Set the session best time in sector one, session best time in sector two, session best best time in sector three, then fell off in sector four, but he would have gone fastest. And that's, in my mind, that's a true test of a rider's ability. Setting the fastest time is one thing. Getting knocked off it and being able to go again and go faster, that says to me that you've got it Mm -hmm. and you've got the confidence in your ability where you can just go, oh, you went faster? Watch this. So good things, I think. So I do think if he gets a start, that kind of fixes everything. Yeah. So I don't think it's full panic because, like I say, speed is there. Yeah, we know it's there, yeah. And it's got to work out at some point. In saying that, he, I don't really know how you fix this. No. <laughs> because, like I say, I'm no psychologist. No, that's not a job. No. <laughs> last, time I che- last time I checked my business card, it did not say psychologist. No. But I'm surprised. Did I was surprised. That analyst was, and therapist. I'm su- I was surprised that he was this down about everything. Because um, Argentina starts were bad. Yeah. 
he came through really well, which made it clear that speed was good, speed was fine, all of that, good things. Matterly, starts were bad, came through really well, ridiculously fast. Well, actually, starts in... Well, actually, no, that first race where he was phenomenal. What is wrong with me saying that <laughs> word? I've never had this problem before in my life. That first race where he was phenomenal, uh, again, kind of bad start, came out of nowhere, pushed up to battling for a podium, phenomenal. Again, speed was amazing. And he clearly doesn't have a problem pushing forward through riders. Clearly not. No. Because that's not an issue because he can charge forwards. That works. Okay? Uh, same at Volkenswagen. Just bad starts, could charge forward. So not that big a worry. I think the worry comes when this weekend he didn't charge forward like he expected. But in that interview, I said, can we not take some of the blame off of you and put it on a track? Because obviously that track is hard to pass on. Like I said in the interview, I said, I'll be a nice guy. Actually labeled myself as that. Uh, I actually labeled myself as I'll be a nice guy. I'll take some of the blame off of you. The track obviously didn't help because Argentina, you got bad starts, but came through really well. Same thing at Matley and even Volkenswagen. So I do believe that. I do think that this track kind of, um, maybe, yeah, I just think that this track highlighted the issue that he was having. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I agree. Oh, thanks for, thanks for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really glad you got, we've got you on this podcast. I don't think it's full-blown panic, A. Yeah, we worked that out about five minutes into His your run. speed is amazing, B. Yep. C, he's proven he can come forward from a bad start. So the bad starts aren't even necessarily such a problem. Yeah. C. Yeah. C? Or was I on D? C. Uh, D, I think Ling will help him this weekend because... A lot, of riders have, a lot of riders have said going to the British Championship boosts your confidence quite a bit and like all of that. So I think that helps. And E, in summary, I just think this all works itself out because he's doing too well for it not to. If he was 20th in practice and saying this stuff, then that's full-blown. Like, let's just run around like headless chickens panicking. But those practice times fix everything for me. Okay. So, yeah. Obviously, he's got stuff that he wants to work on. I don't... I think it all works itself out. And maybe this break has come at a perfect time. Yeah, so you can regroup. Press the reset button and move on to Mantua. Thanks for that insight. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, I, before, I was going to go to a break, but as you seem to be uh, um, in, in the zone... Well, we might as well continue with MX2 because we literally have like two riders to go through now. Okay, and, and are those two riders bud racing? Uh, I don't know. I was just kind of hypothetically saying two riders. Well, that's the two I wanted to discuss okay. because Mitchell Harrison on the Saturday showed great speed. And I think he ended up with fifth, uh, as we discussed. But then it didn't quite happen um, for him or Brian Moreau um, on the Sunday. Starts. That's it. You can't get bad. You can't get, like we just said with Conrad, you can't get a 27th place start at uh, Pietro Muerta and come through. You just can't. It doesn't matter who you are. Okay, maybe Prada could. <laughs> but still, you can't expect that from Mitchell Harrison. Ben Watson, 17th to, to 13th. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, kind of, but you just... <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Right, okay. I'm a sociable guy. I'm trying to be nice. Did you speak to Mitchell Harrison? No, I tried to all weekend. Did not see him at all. I might try okay. and ring him this week. Yeah, because it'd be really interesting about getting his thought process on what he... You know, obviously the Saturday went really well and his fifth and he probably thought, yeah, my speed's good and, and everything else. And then the Sunday just... Interesting bit of insight as far as the start goes. Yeah. Uh, he, got a, he got a fifth place start from, I believe, 26th gate pick yeah. in the qualifying race. 
because he started on the outside of Prado. Now, in the qualifying race, a lot of the contenders started on the inside of Prado. Bad move. So in the first race, obviously having seen what happened, they all, most of them moved to around the outside of Prado. Okay, that's interesting. Which obviously then closed that window of opportunity for guys like Mitchell Harrison. Yeah. But I, thought, I feel like a lot of people, not to get into it, but there are a lot of people who are pro-GP or pro-America out there. So I feel like those people are so keen to jump on either Saturday was amazing, Sunday was terrible. I'm neutral. I genuinely am. I, I don't care. MXGP versus America. They're both amazing. Both amazing riders. I love attending MXGP. I love attending Supercross. Both absolutely amazing. Not just saying that, how I feel. Sue me. I, I didn't expect much from him in Italy purely because of the track, the conditions, the fact that he, I think he landed on Tuesday. He rode a bike twice. None of that was lining up for him to do well. So the fact that he actually finished fifth in the qualifying race was enough for me to like write off the rest of the weekend and say, that's all I needed to see. You've proven it now. You can be good. Now we know that because he's done three GPs in his career before Trentino, uh, three US GPs and was third overall at Glen Helen in 2017. So yeah, no, 16. So yeah, it just, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. No. Saturday was good. Really impressed. Proved that he can do it. Sunday, whatever. Bad starts. You're not going to be able to do much with those. He crashed. What are you going to do? He actually moved forward quite well. Moved to the cusp of the points. Crashed again. Dropped back. So whatever. Focus on the Saturday. Positive. He will get better and better. And eventually, I believe he'll be a top 10 guy consistently. Maybe that's even shortchanging him a bit. I almost said he'll be in that Gertz Vial Watson group. But I think he'll be just a tick off of that. I think he'll be with Sterry. Okay. So, yeah, that's my kind of take on it all. Good signing. Definitely better than uh, originally they obviously had Lorenzo Lucercio to fill that spot. Yeah. And that didn't work out due to passport issues, but Mitchell Harrison's definitely a better signing. So yeah. it's all worked out for the it team. It could potentially be a really good signing. And Brian Sue appears to have been gone, for, uh, appears to have gone from that team. Who the hell knows? Because Brian Sue is literally the most secretive person in the world. He's been injured for the last two years and I have messaged him about 1,200 times. Hi, Brian. How are you? What's going on with your injury? Hi, Brian. How are you? Going to be back soon? Hi, Brian. How are you? What the hell is going on? Hi, Brian. How are you? Haven't updated your Instagram in six months. Maybe tell us how your injury's going. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. All I know, and I don't even know this for sure, I literally have to go off hearsay, is that he supposedly has an unspecified back injury. I don't think it's anything of a serious kind, but that's why he was missing in Argentina and whatnot. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Literally, who knows? Is it like a mystery at Scooby-Doo? I literally have tried. I can't even tell you how much effort I have put in over the last year and a half to giving people, the fans, real information about Brian Sue. Just doesn't really seem to care. So... I don't know what more. Brian, if you're out there, I really want to talk to you. <laughs> Pick up your DMs, Brian. <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> Maybe we should, uh, yeah, find Brian. Find Brian? Where the hell is he? Yeah. Wait, okay. Let me just look at this quick. I might be proven completely wrong here. But so the last time that he updated his Instagram was March the 27th. It's a photo of him with his family. Family is everything. Brilliant. There was a GP that weekend. Why weren't you there? Next post. <laughs> February the 11th, quite a big golf. Caption, being back on the grid after a year, I can tell you it's not easy. I will keep pushing and gather as much experience as I can. 
What the hell happened after that then? It sounded like it was going well. He kept pushing. What happened? Because we have nothing. That's, I just, I'm not even mad. I just want to know. <laughs> like, I've tried so hard to find this out. You just want closure. I just want closure because I put so much effort in. Okay. I, I've messaged him a lot. Brian, pick up your DMs. I'm not mad. Just even a yes or no. I will literally fire a, are you racing this year? Just reply with yes and I'll leave you be. Okay. That's all I want. Yeah. Because who knows? Because before February the 11th, his previous Instagram was January the 25th. Before that, it was December the 2nd. <laughs> before that, it was November the 26th. Well, so I'm not even planning that. that was actually maybe he just likes to post once a month. But just tell us what's going on. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Send an SOS, Brian. Please, just to help him sleep at night. I just, um, I, I feel, I, I like to do my job well. I try, I do, as you know, I do put in a lot of effort to try and do my job properly. Yeah. He's kind of ruining that for me. <laughs> well, he's probably going through a bit of a bad time. I for know a year and a half? <laughs> wow. Pick up your DMs, Brian. I did actually interview him once. I know you did. For a post-race podcast. Yeah. It never saw the light of day. Because he asked me to send it to him afterwards so we could check that it all sounded okay. It's a little uh, like, insight there to any of riders. If you, if you ask uh, to be sent the podcast for you to listen to, you, you're not going to go on. Well, no. In a... I do, I do do that to riders in a normal interview setting. Like, in a midweek interview, I'll happily do that for you. I've done it recently. Post-race podcasts, where we just talk about the race, it's not really like it, you don't really go too deep. That's kind of a matter of urgency. I need to get those out by 3am on Sunday. So I don't really have time. I'm not, I'm not willing to delay the whole podcast release for you. Uh, Jeffrey Hurlings or other riders, if you'd like to check your podcast, that's fine. <laughs> Brian Sue, not so much. <laughs> anyway, Brian Sue hasn't raced at all this year, but he's just had the most chill. I don't even know how we got onto it. I don't know, but you're very passionate I, about it. I Brian just want to know. Yeah. No, that's Please. Cool. Right, let's go for a break and we'll be back to talk about MX Manager. Yeah, MX For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at motocrossvice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. BMX So, we have news. Oh, do I have news? Where is Brian? I have found Brian. You see, when we do those little breaks, you may think that, like, we just say that, so, and then the advert can be put in after. Oh, no, 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 no. I actually went away, did a lot of digging, and have news. So, on the 27th of February, no, March, sorry, on the 27th of March, when Brian posted Family is Everything, he was in Taiwan. Mysterious. Wow. They got a race series there? I think he's from Taiwan? No, he's Hungarian. Oh, yeah. Well, oh. I'm just confused because he put Family is Everything while he's in Taiwan. Maybe he's got a half of family there or something? I don't know. No. Anyway... <laughs> We don't, even, we don't even know where he is. Not so. an expert, but... <laughs> we don't even know where he is, so that's just a step too far. Yeah. So, on March the 27th, a week and a bit ago, he was in Taiwan. Now, I don't know where he is still, might still be in Taiwan, but it looks like he is no longer riding for Bud, as I suspected, and he is now riding for Hungary's elite motocross team. Wow. HTS KTM. Okay. I'm not sure. No, nope. I've got to be honest, not familiar with those guys. No, they're obviously just a national team in Hungary. And their caption says, somebody's arrived who doesn't need any introduction. And it's Brian Sue. 
What does this mean? Who knows? Is he doing the world level? Who knows? You'd presume so, because he's not going to do Hungary's national championship, is he? He's too good for that. So he could be coming back to MX2. Not with Bud, but with Hungary's at least, at, at least, <laughs> at least Hungary's elite motocross team. Okay. We have found Brian. Brian, don't worry about your DMs anymore, mate. We got you. Yeah. Although I would still love to know, like, if you could reply to the one from a year and a half ago, that'd be great. Cool. Well, at least we cleared that one up. Yep. So, uh, great work, Brian. Well, great work, you. Thank you. Very good. Uh, Old Inspector Gadget over here. Yeah. Great detective work. Um, we got some questions. Oh, yep. So, what have we got this week? Uh, questions. I, I know they're oh, questions. Um, I was just asking kind of what questions. Okay. Uh, at MastersMX2013 on Twitter, right. otherwise known as Phil G, uh, asked, what happened to Anstey in race two and how is the dynamic at standing construct with the number three guy being highest in points? We covered that pretty much, but uh, Anstey, he blew his wheel out, lost some spokes, so I had to pull in and get the rear wheel changed. Took him a lap, basically, to get that done. So, yeah. That's basically all that happened. Not much more to it. Um, I think the standing construct team, from what I've heard, the atmosphere is one of the best of the team, of West best of all the teams in the pits. Because I said this in the off season, like think about it. You've got Coldenoff and Anstey. They're probably two of the most easygoing elite riders in MXGP. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Because I don't think they get wrapped up in their own ego. They don't really care. No. I think they just like are eager to get on with our own thing and have a good time. Yeah. Equally, did anyone expect Monticelli to be top of the points? No. But Koldenov's coming back from injury, so you'd expect him to be ahead of him. And Max, like we said, is just pissed off for motor gods or something because basically nothing is going right. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's reasons for it. It's not like Monticelli's beating them both straight up. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. That answers that. Uh, at DiveMX on Twitter said, uh, what does Jorge... Jorge. I think it's Jorge. I always say Jorge. I've recently learned it's Jorge. Really? Because I thought when you say Spanish, it's Jorge. I'm sure it's Jorge. Recently, I've heard a lot of people say Jorge. 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 But then I'm not sure if I'm really um, confident enough to at the beginning of my post-race podcast when I say his name. I'm not sure if I'm confident enough to make that switch yet. Do you say Jorge or do you say Prado? I say Jorge. Jorge Prado. Okay. But I think it might be Jorge. Why don't you ask him? Because it's a bit... I've been talking to him for five years now. <laughs> well, he's just been nice to you for five years and just thinking, when day well, obviously, is going to get my name Obviously, right. I don't want to make the switch and be wrong because maybe I'm right. Okay. So that's a bit of behind-the-scenes insight for you there. Just a bit of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Great. Uh, what does Jorge, Jorge Prado do in 2020? It just sounds wrong. What does Jorge Prado do in 2020 if he wins the MX2 World Championship? Will we lose him to the USA? Or will he move up to MXGP at 19 years old? I was going to just say, you can take this one, because I, I took the last one. <laughs> you literally don't have a clue, do you? Well, I'm guessing that... No, we don't want guesses. Okay. Um, you want facts. Well, not facts, but... But you haven't got facts, no, have you? No, but at least some anything of... can change. No. So we knew that a, a while ago he had his heart set on America, but it looks like since he's been uh, under Caroli's wing, he is uh, developed quite nicely. And it looks like... What? Like, why are you... Because <laughs> you, you're almost there. Yeah. So we always had his hot set on USA. Yeah. Uh, we met up with him in 2016 off-season when yep. he was having a tryout with Trolley Designs, KTM. Yep. Riding Supercross. Looked very good. Yeah. Very, very good. And think about how much he's progressed since then. Um, 
So he had his heart set on America at that point. Then midway through last year at Tushintal, I interviewed him and he said, completely changed my outlook. I'm no longer interested in America. I love it at Ducali's team. It's amazing. And I can't wait to move up to the 450s with them. There we go. Okay. Then I interviewed him again in November. And I asked the same question just to see. And he kind of backtracked a little bit and said he's still interested in Supercross. Still likes the idea of doing that whole thing. And he hasn't completely given up on it. So, who knows? This could be warning signs to his girlfriend. I think he's going to go 450, bro. If he has to. But rules could change. It wouldn't be the first time in either series because I think it was Canard. Was it Canard? It was someone like Canard won the East title in their rookie year. Which would have technically forced them up to 450s sooner than normal or mm-hmm. what would be considered acceptable. So they shifted the rules because obviously it was an exception. Yep. So maybe this will be similar. But I would, at the moment, I would place my money on him staying in Europe and going 450s if I had to. Yeah. Even though maybe he started to think about America again a little bit. Maybe. But not seriously, I don't think. I haven't heard of there any, being any talks with TLD or anything like that. So. I mean, how do you think he's going to fare in the 450? Against I think he'll that be fine. Yeah? I think he'll be fine. There's always this talk about size and maturity. When was the last time we saw a rider that good go to a 450 and just completely bomb out? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Next question. Uh, at MX Justin, full gates in EMX 125, EMX 250, and MX2 in the last three GPs. What does it mean? Suddenly motocross is healthy? Is there any room for a new class? I think motocross is very healthy, and especially at uh, world level. I, you know, I go into all the Facebook uh, groups, forums, and everything else, and there's, everybody's always shitting on something and just being negative nanny and everything else. It's just, do you know what? There were some changes made a few years ago, and actually those changes are working out quite nicely. And I think next year we're going to see a super competitive class in MXGP, MX2. Uh, EMX 250 is healthy, 125 is healthy. They've built, they have built this, this very good pyramid for riders to come through. My only worry, and it's something I've been very outspoken about, oh. is the British. I mean... Well, that isn't the question. That isn't... MX Justin is from Argentina. He doesn't care about the British. No, I'm just saying that basically, okay, so, so Europe, these, these, this series is, is fantastic. What I'm alluding to is that France have got a very good system coming through and they're producing a lot of riders. So is Holland. I think Belgium might be a, in, in a place where they might see uh, might be worried about the next generation of riders coming through, the same as the UK. So again, from a a national point of view or an international point of view, the series is very strong, but it's only as strong as those, uh, those national championships supporting the next generation riders coming through. Um, well said. Thank you. Very good points. Mm-hmm. Great work. Everyone says EMX 125, EMX 250, and MX2 selfie. MXGP has pretty much had full lineups all year. And although it hasn't quite materialized like that on race day, the pre-entry lists have been full. So it's the only reason it hasn't been full is because people are dropping out last minute with injuries and whatever else. Yeah. So, and I do agree. I think MXGP is like insanely healthy. Actually, this uh, brings me to a random thing I found earlier on Instagram. Yeah. It just caught me by surprise quite a bit because you always hear of stuff like this happening, but you never actually are sure if it uh, works out that way, you know? Like... You're never really sure if these are just myths. Someone on P1 
Pete Fox's Insta- Pete Fox posted a video of the Geyser Crowley battle, and someone com- commented, "Crazy! I randomly turned this on because my son wanted to watch dirt bikes, and after this race, I decided I'm watching the rest of the series." Really. So that kind of shows that things are growing a little bit, I think. It's like, it's because you always hear, like, we need to captivate new audiences. Yeah. Turns out that is actually slowly happening a little bit. A lot of people are turning on to um, the MXGP series. You know, people who previously may have dismissed it, or, you know, the American audience is very, very strong now in MXGP just because the racing's great. It's entertaining. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that there's a one, two, five class that's competitive and being able to watch Next Generation. And I think that helps because. Not to get too much into it, but I think there's always been a bit of a... The issue has always been being familiar with riders when they pop up in MX2 for the first time. Because before EMX, they'd come out of nowhere. And because international fans were so far removed from Europe, they wouldn't have heard about whoever, someone coming up from France. Because unlike America, where all of the talent pulls together at Loretta Linz, Europe, apart from the Junior World Championship, doesn't really have that. So it's harder to get familiar with those riders, whereas now, because of EMX 125 and EMX 250, all fans from everywhere can follow these riders' progress up through the ladder to the professional ranks and kind of get familiar with them and root for their story. And I really believe that stories are important because that's what gets you hooked. Well, you're, you're a person who likes stats. Yes, I am. So you'll appreciate this one. If we go back to 2015 Mexico, were you there? No. Okay. So <laughs> two, 2015 Mexico... MX2, how many riders were on the gate? 19? 16. Okay, that was the penultimate round, and it's Mexico, so we can't win. That's, that's apples to oranges. Okay. However, I will say this. Everyone keeps talking about how great it is that we have full gates in MXGP and MX2 now. There was a rough patch 2012 sort of time where entries were down a little bit. Yeah. That's a distant memory now. Entries. Have this been, is what I'm saying. Entries have been strong for the last... Four or five years. Well, I, I this th- is a norm. I would say the last three years, because if if we go back to random dates in, in 2015, then Sweden's 23 people in MX2. Sweden, look at like Italy though, because Sweden again, that's a stretch for a privateer. So yeah, Italy 37. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. For the last, how it, like and okay, yeah, Europe 30, Valkensvar 30. Okay, but what I'm saying is that you won't get 30 on the line now. You'll get 40. Okay, just on that previous point. Yeah. Um, just to prove it's the same everywhere. But Argentina this year was, what, 33, 34 riders? Yeah, 37, I think. But just to prove a point, not prove a point, but just to kind of give what you were saying some weight. Yeah. Um, you're not always going to get full lineups maybe in Mexico or Sweden because it is a far journey for some of the smaller teams and the riders working on lower budgets. That isn't a fault of MXGP. It's just a way the cookie crumbles because look at America, at the Houston round of Supercross which was a 250 West round. Obviously, that's quite far removed from California, where most of the West Coast privateers are based. They only had 10 riders in the 250 LCQ. So it's just, if you, it's just logic, I guess. It's common sense. The further you gave, go from these riders' bases, the less riders are going to make the trip. That's just the way it happens. Yeah. Especially when you're running an elite series and you need to hit all these markets. That isn't a fault of Monster Energy Supercross. That isn't a fault of MXGP. It's just common sense. That's the way it works. Yeah. But what I'm, yeah, going back to the first point, it's healthy. Yeah. In summary, I genuinely think that the whole series is booming at the moment. And I think that's evident from the amount of industry people that are turning up at rounds. Yeah. Because you see a lot of faces now who make it their mission to be at least every couple of GP rounds because it's vital for their business. Well, we speak to a lot of um, American brands that come over to, to MXGP now, a lot of American brands. 
and where probably four or five years ago when speaking to them, it was kind of a, you know, a bit of an experience. Now it's a necessity. They know they need to be here. And I think that tells you everything. Yeah. And okay. Disclaimer. I almost don't like saying this because there's so much weight on the GP versus AMA thing still. And it's absolutely ridiculous. So people think we're saying that and like, oh, but you cover MXGP. Of course you feel that it's healthy. Monster Energy Supercross, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, just as healthy, yeah. I believe. I've, I attended six rounds of Supercross this year. That series is doing very well, just as well as MXGP. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think that MXGP is now superior. I think they're level playing field. No, no. We, we, we buy our... No, just disclaimer. Just yeah, a yeah, disclaimer, yeah. because there's always going to be people. And I know there are things out there <laughs> that are still biased. Yeah. I genuinely couldn't care less about that whole battle, because at the end of the day, I like motocross. Yeah. I, if I can go to Denver this weekend, I will pay for myself to yeah. go. If I, I, could. I, I buy my subscription to Supercross. Yeah. I don't get given that. Super, I, I, I don't get given that. I pay every year to, to watch Supercross because I enjoy it. There are three rounds left of Supercross. I'm bummed because that means it's almost over. Equally, yeah. I'm excited because AMA Motocross is coming up. Yeah. I love it all. Yeah. If you're a fan, you're a fan. But, and again, that sounds fake because it sounds like I'm just saying that to prove a point, but it's not. No. I just... I. I hope it comes across and I think we do as well, but we're not one of the biased people. No, no. We, we have appreciation for, for, it doesn't matter where yeah. it is. We just love it because I just it's like got great riders. Yeah. That went, that, went, that went somewhere that we weren't expecting, would it? Yeah. Right, next. Almost like Brian Sue. <laughs> um, we, we also appreciate Brian Sue in Taiwan. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, and Hungarian Elite 90, Racing Championship. At 99W Leaford on Twitter asked, do you think Ling has come at the perfect time for Muse to rebuild confidence? with everything and anything going wrong in GPs, or is it taking away time to practice elsewhere on bigger, better, more GP-style GP tracks in Europe? That's interesting. Really interesting. That's, that wasn't interesting until that last bit about practicing in Europe, because I feel like even I automatically go to, no, racing in Britain's good for his confidence and it all works out. I still believe that. Mm -hmm. I think that going to the British Championship with lesser competition, it's not the World Championship, don't get mad at me. Um, he obviously goes there and believes he's a guy, which he is. He's yeah. a defending champion. I think that helps his confidence and like just helps you work out the kinks a little bit. And not just him, everyone. I think Tommy, Sean, Dylan Walsh. I think it would help Dylan Walsh because he had a rough couple of GPs. I think hitting the reset button on a, an event on a smaller scale will help him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think even if, whether it's mentally, whether it's confidence, whether it's testing, I think it all helps. Yeah. And the counterparts in GP this weekend are at the Dutch Masters. Yeah, which is effectively the same thing because yeah. they're not choosing to practice on a GP style track. They're going racing just to refine their skills because it's slightly old saying that there's no better practice than racing. Yeah. Uh, at George Hopkins on Facebook, I think. How many rounds until Prado will take back the red plate again? So he's 20 points down now. Yep. He, that means at Mantova. I'm going to say three ranks. At Mantova, if Prado goes 1-1 one, one, and Olsen goes 6-6, six, six, then they'll be tied. So he won't have it at the end of Mantova because Olsen's better than 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. Portugal, I think he'll have it by the time Portugal's finish, which is not next round, but around three after. Ranks. No, two. Okay, I'm going to go three. I think two. Okay. Because all he needs is to go 1-1-1-1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Yeah. And all Olsen needs to do, on average, is go 3-3-3-3. Three, 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 three. Okay, so let's mark this. I'm saying three, you're saying two. Yeah, let's okay. actually mark this. Okay. I mean, those races are a long time away, so we'll forget. But yeah. At Weekend Warrior blog, it's a long one. Now that we've hit an early season break, sad times, yeah. 
Agreed. Which ride? Oh, agreed. You just said you were happy to have a break. <laughs> I am very happy to have a break. Your opinions, but... you're just not confident in your opinions, are you? No, I'm, I'm a bit like you. After about two weeks, I'll be ready to go back. I after, just need a little after break. After two weeks? Yeah. I'm getting a bit itchy and... I know you now. are. Yeah. Um, but you're not 43. You're half my age. Half of 43 is not 23. Well, 20 years. Um, it's a long freaking time. <laughs> you're almost double my age. Um, now that we've hit an early season break, which rider would you pick as your biggest surprise and then also a rider who has been below preseason expectations? For me, MX, not me, <laughs> this is Weekend Warrior Blog. Yeah. Weekend Warrior Blog thinks that MX2 surprise is obviously Tom Vial, whereas Baframi. <laughs> Bwarami. 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 Has performed slightly less than I ex- he expected. <laughs> yeah. MX1 surprise for him is Geyser being so consistently on it. Then his teammate Bogus is having a seriously rough ride. What do you think, James? It's not a bad shout, actually, on, on both. But um, uh, Vial, I've I, I got to be honest. I, I just thought this would be a learning year for him, and he's learning quick. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Tom Vial is definitely the. The surprise. Um, I expected Gertz to be there. There was flashes of brilliance last year, and I fully expected him to be knocking on the door this year. So he is where I expect him to be. Um, so definitely Vial. Uh, biggest disappointment? That's a tough one. Okay, I'll go Who are you gonna go surprise. with surprise. Originally, I was thinking not Vial because uh, Mantova kind of gave me a little sneak peek of what was coming. Yeah. Um, I was going to go with either Gertz or Jacoby. Yeah. Not because Jacoby's fast, but because he's basically, effectively, he's been on a podium for all four rounds. Like, he's literally been as close as you can get. Um, but I'll actually go with Zachary Pichon. Yeah. Because, being honest, last year, he was nowhere, effectively. Like, he wasn't making a splash. He wasn't really doing anything noteworthy. This year, even dealing with back problems, he's running on the cusp of the top 10. He's charging forward. He's popping up in the top eight in practice. It seems like he's really making steps forward, which I didn't expect because honestly, after watching him last year, I just thought he is who he is. Yeah. Um, disappointment? Or should we not do that because it's negative? It is a little bit negative, but I guess that's the game we're in. But the problem is, is you kind of, you look down the MX2 list. In... Well, MXGP as well. It doesn't yeah. have to be MX2. You can choose anywhere. Even the okay. MX250 if you want. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know about um, Guarami, I think you know it's a, it's a it's a big step up from MX250 to MX2. I know that Tom Viao is just literally just through that what I've just said in the air, but I think he he's definitely that that shows what what surprise he is. Um, I wouldn't say disappointment, but I don't think um Darian Sinai would be happy about where he is at the moment. But with Epstein, don't put him in this conversation then. But with the Epstein virus and everything else, then it's, it is, a, you know, I guess it's not a disappointment. It's, it's disappointing for him. I think that's the best way of saying it. I, the best way to say it is I am disappointed for him. Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly I believe, what I just said. Because no, you said it's disappointing. You said it's disappointed for him. Yeah, I'm disappointed for him, yeah. But you said, you said it's disappointing for okay, him. Okay, I got my words wrong. <laughs> Um, no, just to retract what I said before, Sanai would be so good. Honestly, he would be, he would be so good. Yeah. Honestly, uh, t- actually, so good. Another surprise who I didn't, I didn't know, or, or uh, was was Mitch Evans. I, he's he's exceeded my expectations. You forget because as well. after four rounds, your expectations change so much because you see someone do well for so yeah. long. 
but you, it just becomes normal. Really, did did we see Mitch Evans coming into Argentina and taking a podium? No, and I think Vial falls into that same trap. Yeah, so because I think, we've seen it so long. Like I said when we were talking about Vial, nothing. This doesn't. This isn't even noteworthy for me now because I'm just consider it normal. Yeah, I think I would put Borami as my disappointment too. However, disclaimer: he is dealing with an injury at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly. I need to find that out. But he's not 100. percent So yeah, I think that contributes, but. The I reason think, I pick him is because in his wildcard rides, rides last year, like in Tushintal, he was competitive in MX2 and a top seven rider. So that's where I thought it'd be this year. Yeah, I think it's really hard to say disappointment because there's a lot of things going on in the background with these riders that some we don't even know because they're not very, very good at communicating this. Okay, you're going to have to pick a name because I did and you're not backing out and being the nice guy. <laughs> okay, I think probably um, maybe Les, Lesiardo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, to EMX 250 champion two years ago. Yeah. Who would have thought? Like, yeah, it's just just, it just seems like a different guy. So, yeah, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, but I, I guess that's going to be that. That's going to be that. What else can you say? Oh, more questions. Okay. What we're doing. Uh, at Noah Stanel, do you feel Tim Geiser is going to be, a consist- is going to be consistent enough to beat Crowley for the title? Or will Caroli get that 10th world championship? I think he will be consistent enough to give Caroli a bit of a run. It's not like he's going to be 200 points down at the end of the year, but Caroli gets his 10th world title. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Okay. And one final one. Yeah. This one was too long for any comments section. So Paul Piercy DM'd me. Ooh, is that Paul from Arizona? Paul from Arizona. There we go. A little long for Twitter. So I was hoping to get my hashtag AskViceAnything question here. I think the reason why KTM Husqvarna have been so good at starts is they combine their data globally and use get David de- and use get devices to work together to get better starts across the globe. Other manufacturers separate the world from the US. Plus, US has Alden and Europe has Dirk Grubel and Dakali, Jackie Martins as well. But point being, do you think this united front helps the program? It may be a bit obvious, but how hard is it to organize a program this way? And why have no other manufacturers done the same thing? Mm, good question. Good, very, I like in-depth questions. Yeah, that's great. Feels like he's here talking. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, it's no, it's, it's not a shocker. They, they are super switched on, um, the KTM group. I don't think that them being a global front necessarily helps on the starts specifically. It does help as a whole, though, and maybe that trickles over to the starts. Definitely. However, I think HRC are, uh, aren't far behind on that front of having kind of pulling all, yeah, yeah. all their information together. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's, it's about the brand. It's not about an, any individual. They're, they're looking to, to raise. I do, yeah, I, do, I don't know specifics, but I do believe Honda, HRC are on that level. Yeah. But yeah, KTM and Husqvarna are obviously a next level with data acquisition and everything. And they've definitely got something figured out on the starts. Quickly, though, think about it. So, Vial and Prado have been phenomenal, phenomenal at starts this year. I've said phenomenal a, st- a lot this podcast. Um, <laughs> and you slant got it right. No, I don't know why. I've never struggled with that word before in my life. I think it's because I'm blocked up. I can't get the right sound out. Um, look at last year. Jonas was good at starts. He was good. Yeah. He wasn't at that phenomenal level, though. No. So, the riders so... Okay, Jonas was a better starter than most of the other riders on other manufacturers, but that does kind of hint that maybe the, the size of the riders has a lot to do with it as well. No, no. Uh, you know, I, I agree. The, uh, 
looking back at Jonas last year, that the first, what, three, four rounds worked out very well for him. He's perfect season for the first three. Yeah. And then I'm not sure what happened, but obviously... But no, I'm just talking about start specific. Yeah. Uh, but I think that coincided with his performances last year as well. With the start. Yeah. But that's what, no, I'm just talking about specifically starts because not about what it leads to, because he's just asking what that's why they're so good out the gate. Yeah. But I, I, okay, the bike is amazing, the best out of the gate, no doubt about it. Yeah. I think the rider size of Viao and Prado is highlighting that at the moment, though. And massively, because you only got to look at TKO in how big he is. Yeah, he doesn't get whole shots. No. No. And then you got to look at Be- Beaton's a big guy as well. Yeah. So they fall into the same trap that Watson's Sterry. Yeah, I mean, they've probably got exactly the same horsepower in, 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 you know, data available to them, but they're just bigger guys. Indeed. And that wraps up Ask Vice Anything. Fantastic. And the most exciting part of the show is coming up right now. What? What? The end? MX Manager. Ugh. And who finished 25th? I feel like we should give the winner credit first rather than the person who finished 25 places behind him. Okay, right. <laughs> let's, let's go with who won. Uh, little Chris Cam. Well done, Chris. Chris Cameron. Yeah. Good uh, to see uh, a hardcore fan take the win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been, uh, he's been on MX5 for, for quite a while, so great. Always good to see uh, people get rewarded. £200? Is it £200? I think it's 275 euros. Get in. So if you want to buy me something nice, Chris, then uh, that'd be great. Yep. Uh, hope you uh, spend the money wisely. And uh, who finished 25th? That would be myself, Lewis. Um, so you jumped from what? 1,100 to 627th? Yeah, last, let's just say last week was not good. And uh, I can't remember where I finished, but I think it was something like, I don't know, 2,000th or something. So it was, it was not a great day. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then being ridiculed all the way back from Valkons fired by yourself about how crap my team was. I know I needed to step up. Uh, we sat down, we analyzed, we looked deep inside. I went around the pits, talked to a lot of people, um, looked at the weather forecast. Are you still talking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, basically, I just, I just picked four random riders I thought would do well, and uh, that was my whole game plan. I got screwed. As I said, at Valkenswald, I like rolled the dice quite a lot with Pooches and Renault, and it almost paid off. Like, I'm confident I would have won had they not imploded in the second race. Yeah. I did the same this week. I had, I, I ch- I've never done this strategy before in my life. Never. I had Paulin, which is typically a, a better rider than I would go for because of cost. Yeah. And Gertz, same thing. Then Mitchell Harrison and Anton Gold. Never done that strategy before in my life. I typically go for like four, 300,000 riders. Yeah. Obviously, that time I went for two higher riders and two lesser riders, thinking that after qualifying, effectively, Mitchell Harrison was, 100, what it was 150 euros. So for him to pay off, I needed him to be 11-11. That would have been enough for me to be happy. Goal, 100,000. If he had gone 15-15, I would have been happy. Neither of them managed to do that. No. Mitchell Harrison did get hard charger points, so that saved me and put me 314th overall for the round. Yeah. But, yeah. I will be adopting my old strategy from Mantavaron. Okay, so how many points are you on now? Two seconds. Okay, because I'm on 414 points now. I literally nearly doubled my, my points in one week. Uh, wait, how many are you on? Uh, 414. Okay, I'm on 525. But what you have you to remember... You thought it would be closer, didn't no, you? No, no, no. What you have to remember is I doubled my points. So even though... 
Yeah, but that's because you had so little points. Yeah, I know, but let's think about this, right? I've surged up 500 You didn't double places. your points anyway. I did, 179. Before that, I had like... Okay, what's 179 times two? Well, I had about 250 points before that. Okay, so you haven't doubled at all. Well, nearly. You're just making up fake news. No, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm not out of this yet. Okay. And this is the great thing for everybody else who's like maybe had a bit of a shit start to the season in MX Manager. It's not over yet. I am making a comeback. So I have 113th overall. Okay. I'm, uh, hang on, I don't know if it goes down that far. <laughs> You're 622nd, I think. Uh, 672nd. Oh, even worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that though. It's great. And at the moment, we have a three-way tie for the overall lead between KS22 No Fear. Yeah, from the Netherlands. Team Helmet. From United Kingdom. And Yong, Yongen's Na De Top. Which is from the Netherlands as well. So, I think uh, I pronounced that right. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, quite Oh, a few... and fourth place is Weekend Warrior Blog, who just sent in a question for Ask Vice Anything. Wow. I'm just looking through. It's really cool to see, actually. We've got Finland, Netherlands, uh, obviously UK. Croatia. Croatia, Spain, Italy, uh, Republic of Lithuania. That's, uh, Big up Jazakonis. Yeah, Jazakonis. Um, just looking through. Any, uh, any other cool countries here? Uh, wow, there's a lot of Netherlands. Belgium, I know we have Sweden. I know we have one entry from Mongolia. Mongolia. Yeah, I know we got one person on a whole game from Mongolia. Someone's got to be on holiday there. A lot of people haven't chosen their countries this year. Last year, everyone did, so that's a bit annoying. Yeah. Oh, Slovenia. Hey, there's some great countries there. But what we want to do is we want to literally. I'm going to analyze this. Going to press the reset button, and then I'm making a comeback for Mantova. So. Um, we're not going to talk about the MX Manager uh, positions, points, and everything else any further today because we've got some shows coming up. We definitely uh, uh, going to leave that for uh, possibly next week. So uh, what we will do is we will announce some competitions on social media this week, and um, there's some great prizes up uh, up for grabs. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to listen to this podcast to be able to win it. So um, on that note, I think um, we're done. Is that the end? That is the end. I feel like it's been a long show. But like we said, we've been waiting for a race like this where lots happens. Well, we're excited. There's nothing wrong with being excited. I'm feeling a tiny bit better. I feel like my voice probably sounds a bit weird this week. I'm quite blocked up. No? Is it okay? Yeah. Sorry about fine. that if it does. No, it's good. It's good. But yeah. Right. Good times. Good times, right. What's this, episode six? I don't know. But I don't know. Um, but next week, we're going to be coming up with um, a British podcast as well. Oh, are we? <laughs> yes, we are. So um, we're going to have uh, some uh, British writers in the studio uh, to guest podcast as well, which should be good. Great. So uh, and then we can talk all things British. Great. More work. There Brilliant. we go. No break for you. So see you guys next week. See ya. For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com at Motocross Vice on Twitter and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. show, 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 show.